Transploitation is a subgenre of exploitation film which had its peak in Europe in the 1970s. These films typically involve Christian nuns living in convents during the Middle Ages. The main conflict of the story is usually of a religious or sexual nature, such as religious oppression or sexual suppression due to living in celibacy. The Inquisition is another common theme. These films, although often seen as pure exploitation films, often contain criticism against religion in general and the Catholic Church in particular. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 164 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, MC Belgian White, a.k.a. Moods. Yeah. And, of course, I have my head roll pod mate by my side tonight. The man who is convinced that Jeremy is trying to fuck us in a box office brawl competition by ignoring films that need to be predicted on the show. The Mexican himself. JP. Yeah. Jeremy's cheap with that. <laughs> and finally, we have the man who will order Jack in the Box and send me pics of his tasty sourdough jacks just to rub it in my face because he knows I can't get one. The Sacktown Salty Balls Bitch. Mike, <laughs> the Mouth Merryman. What's going What's up, on, guys? guys? I, I know I'm just hey. a guest tonight, but if we could hurry it up, I got a Nelly concert to go to. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, that's okay, so Dan Chase. That is the funniest shit ever, man. I was like, well, that better be fucking Nelly Furtado, because at least that's half cool. <laughs> uh, unfortunately I wonder if not. they were handing out band-aids at the door. <laughs> Everybody you put get their a band-aid. band-aid You get on. a band-aid. You get a band-aid. <laughs> uh, but that is so true, though, right? Jeremy, I think, is trying to avoid the box office brawl, because the situation is, is that he's a little bit ahead right now, and he doesn't want either one of us to catch up. So he's playing this game where he's like, I didn't know about this movie. And, and fuck, this movie doesn't fit the criteria bullshit. And it's like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Jeremy, at the beginning of the year, made a spreadsheet and added, like, every movie that, that, that was true. coming out. And it was, like, stuff like Terminator, which is kind of there. And then stuff, like, even st- like Star Wars. And, uh, like, there was a ton of stuff on there that definitely wasn't horror and then I'm like, okay, let's do this thriller. And he's like, that's not horror. I'm like, dude, you had fucking Rambo on there, man. I was like, you added all this stuff at the beginning of the year when the scores were even. But like now you don't want to do anything because you don't want a chance of anybody to catch up. It's like, just stick to the rules you started with. Hey, Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's not on the show. Let's just keep talking shit about him. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah, Jeremy... Uh, was supposed to be on the show tonight, but he ultimately had to work late, so he is not here tonight. Um, we already had Mike coming on the show, so it just, it's a trio. Mm-hmm. Still, so that worked out. Um, but yeah, no, the box office brawl, I think he kind of fucked us a little bit because now we're going into, we're getting close to November. There's not that many box office yeah, I brawls I think there's like seven or eight films left in the year that that will count, and uh, I'm down by five points. This so. is how cheap that fucking Jew is, man. Like, seriously. I mean, oh, and this we is missed all a about- ton. We missed we missed six or seven films during the break because he wouldn't answer me in the chat with exactly. his picks. Yeah, because that's what he was doing. He was trying to fuck us over. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, got to lead it. He's such a cheap bastard. I, this whole competition is about one fucking Blu-ray. One. I yeah, he takes it <laughs> like, so seriously. He's taking it so to the point where he's he's cheating in a very maniacal way. You know, he's just like not answering. Oh, I didn't know about that. I was busy fucking working fifteen fucking hours. I have, dude, 
Those Neil just... memes are the best. The crying Freeman memes. Oh man, those are or so good. Or he quotes Jeremy. I like. I like anyway, how every, I have an every time idea we're talking for next season, next yeah. year, January, uh, a little bit of rule changes <clears throat> for Brock Office Brawl, which I think will help the flow of things and make it. How about you organize uh, it? And you take care of it, fear. so then we can actually do it weekly. <laughs> yeah. That, so that's, that's my uh, biggest, we'll talk uh, about those at the beginning of the year, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Mikey, man, back on the show. What's going on, you salty balls, bitch? And stop fucking rubbing those sourdough jacks in my fucking face, dude. Every time I see a picture of Jack in the Box, I seriously just want to border jump right now and kick the shit out of you. <laughs> Fuck, and man. And eat it in front of you in your garage, like where where you're sitting right now. That's yeah, that's, I, what, that, that's, that's what's coming next. If Once the pics don't get it done anymore, I'm like, I need to start sending him videos of like an unwrapping. <laughs> dude, <laughs> an unwrapping. I, I can just see you, man, putting a fucking <laughs> jack-in-the-box taco in the middle of a sourdough jack and just getting all stupid with your eats. And you're like, ah, fuck you, man. Taste just throw some, throw some jalapeno poppers in the middle. And just, mm. I've never been able to understand why jack-in-the-boxes have never came north. It sucks. It's like... I don't, I don't think they came east either. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even think they're all them. over. I always used to yeah. think that Jack in the Box was a bigger franchise. But then, yeah, then I learned that there's not really, you know, west of like Vegas kind of thing. And I'm like, damn, that's really crazy. Because those commercials, man, they do some, you know, big budget ass commercials and shit. I'm like, this is fucking yeah. crazy. It's and just they're crazy. Pretty, they're pretty funny. And but the fact I that think... they're open 24 hours a day, you would think that would give them easy access to just everywhere in the country. True. I, 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 personally think, places. I personally think that Jack in the Box is one of those, like, really, really pricey franchises that just nobody wants to get into. So, I mean, yeah. if you if you look, if you drive around, you go into any small town, there's always a Subway. There's always a Dairy Queen and shit like that because they're the cheapest franchises to own. Actually, no, they're not. Jeremy says he doesn't have any Dairy Queens. Well, it's probably because it's probably a Chicago thing because they're the headquarters for uh, McDonald's and Burger King. So they probably don't put those competition there, right? I'm serious. They probably yeah. don't. But actually, Dairy Queen is one of the cheaper ones. And Subway is like really cheap. It used to be yeah, like, I, dirt, I dirt cheap. So can't stand Subway, dude. Me either, man. I can't stand Give me stand Jimmy John's it. all day. Oh, <laughs> fucking hate Subway. I, I miss like the Mr. Subs and shit. Those are really good. I don't know if they were down in the States or not, but those were like, way, fucking, of it. way fucking you, better. They were just, they, they were like a good you, version of Subway. It's do you have, do you have Beach Hut Deli up there? Or I don't know if that's just California or what, but it's a fucking great. Sub yeah, I've heard people shop. talking about it. No, I've never seen one. Um, me neither. You know, actually, Mike, you were asking me about Harvey's the other day, and I believe it's just a Canadian franchise. But I was actually watching a Furious Pete video today, uh, which he's finally making videos. Did you say Hardy's? Harvey's. Oh, Harvey's. Yeah, Harvey's. And it's it's uh, it's like, it's a burger joint, but you can make them your way. That's their kind of their motto shit. So you order a burger and then you can put all your toppings and sauces and everything the way you want it. So it's it's kind of a cool idea, but of course they've jumped into the Beyond Meat burgers and stuff too. So he um I think he got promoted through Harvey's or something to do the video, but then uh, he went and grabbed like a bunch of AW. You could tell he's like I and I got another 10 from this company and he wouldn't say the mm -hmm. name, but you can tell AW burgers just by the fucking the buns. So, so Dude, he, he ate I, all these burgers and I was like, and he's well, like okay, these things are actually really good. I'm like, I was hoping because the wife actually went to A&W tonight and I was like, did you get one of those Beyond Burgers? I just wanted to have a bite. I'm really on a harsh diet right now, but I just wanted to try what it tastes like. She didn't get one. I was kind of pissed off. So, <laughs> so what, what's you guys' favorite fast food then? Um, Like top three or something. Like, one like, one like that I could any, eat regularly. I mean... Honestly, dude, I love In N Out Burger. It's like one of my favorite places to eat, but of course dude, we, don't we don't have, have that out here. I know yeah, we, don't, we don't have it. They're like as far as Vegas and they're west. It's like a west coast thing. 
Yeah, um, and there, I think there's Bucks. some in Arizona, but it's pretty much west. Yeah, the yeah in and outs there. I think they're one of the more rare ones, to be honest. But on a regular, like a regular fast food joint that I can actually eat all the time, would I love Wendy's, man? That's, that's Wendy's is definitely a solid, solid oh, pick. Speaking of that, Wendy's I was watching because I I watch a shitload of you know competitive eating videos and you know I'm just I'm obsessed <laughs> with eating fuck? videos. It's so weird. Yeah, but anyway, it's funny. Me, him, and Jeremy <laughs> watch those, and we never like. I know we talked about them eventually, but we all watched them before we talked about them. <laughs> I know it's so weird. But I was I was watching uh, that Molly chick, and you know she's like the craziest eater in the world, man. She's like fucking 100 pounds soaking wet she's got the craziest appetite it's nuts anyways i, I like watching those while i'm eating yeah i mean you know it's funny i i watch those things to torture myself because like i said i can't really eat any of that food right now so i'm just like ah so it's even more entertaining to me but anyways um i'm i like to torture the shit out of myself anyways i was watching her at wendy's and they she was eating the wendy's breakfast so apparently wendy's has fucking breakfast now that's crazy. Uh, yeah, they yeah, do. I, I fucking hate breakfast, so I don't care. It's just another. Oh, oh yeah, that's every right. fucking fast food place out here does breakfast now. Taco Bell does fucking. You know what? Never been Taco able. Taco Bell's my favorite by far. Yeah, see, I Taco Bell. Oh, Taco I can't Bell. stand Taco Bell. It fucking hates me too, man. It's just it does not. It doesn't go in great, and it comes out worse. <laughs> um, but you know, what, you know, what, yeah, you know what is really bizarre to me is that Subway has breakfast, and I'm like, they don't have grills or nothing, so everything actually is microwaved. I'm like, oh, dude, microwaved Subway. omelets. Yum. Subway's a damn joke, dude. I, I hate. I really do not like Subway. No, I, I. That's one place. Even when I was eating that shit, I never went to Subway ever, ever. I, I mean, when it when it when we first got one around us, it was pretty fresh. Like I'm talking like 15 years ago or something. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, it, it's just not. I don't like it at all. I'll go every once in a while. It's but. trash. I mean, there's a reason it's so cheap. You can tell. Because as soon as you go to like a different sub shop, you're like, oh, that's why Subway costs that much. Because it's just not good. I don't know where they get their veggies and shit from, but they're the most tasteless fucking veggies ever. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. That's because they're thing. frozen, bro. They're not fresh. They yeah. freeze them and then they unthaw them. It's... Oh, it's just horrible, man. Horrible. Well, that might be the longest conversation about fast food we've ever had. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> Um, well, my, my, if you're asking what my top one was, uh, it might be Jack in the Box just because they have so much different stuff. And yeah, they're, like, have they're always open, and it's like they always have new shit constantly. Like, it, you might you might plan to get one thing from there, and then you pull up, and they just have all these advertisements all over their windows, and you're like, oh, shit, that looks even better than what I wanted to come here for. So Jesus, that's up there. I, I do like Wendy's. And then In-N-Out, like, if, if I'm in the mood for just, like, a fast food-style burger – I got two in and outs like within two miles. I'm like, yep. And I've never been there with the drive through not hella busy. Yeah, right. It's crazy. Yeah. You, you, guys, would, you, you would like think because guys. they're here, people would get tired of it. Uh, I like Five Guys. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah Five Guys is really good. We Absolutely. we uh, got a Five Guys much later in the game. Like it was probably maybe eh, maybe like five six years ago. They finally put that's one about like, in when my we got neighborhood. Too. Yeah. I think that's uh, Beard Meats Food's favorite fucking fast food joint, too. They don't have them in the UK. You ever watch him before? What's it called? No, uh, I don't think so. Beard Meats Food. He's like JP size, man. He's like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, Tiny. Like, he's, you know, obviously, he works out a lot and shit. He's super built. Not, like, super built, but he's got a small frame. But, man, he can fucking eat, dude. He's the number one male competitive eater in the UK. 
anyways, he loves five. When he comes over to America, he just fucking downs that shit. <laughs> it's like crazy, <laughs> but I just find it funny. He's from the UK, but he's actually pretty entertaining. He's one of the he's one of the competitive eaters actually that has a good personality. That's one thing about competitive eater videos. A lot of the people don't have great personalities. They're just like, hey, look how much I can fucking eat, bro, kind of thing. And then, but this guy, he's actually pretty funny, man. He does commentary on like all his videos, and it's pretty entertaining. So for the people out there that tuned in to listen to some horror talk, no, go check out these uh, competitive <laughs> eating videos. They're amazing. <laughs> like, truly, it's fucking mind-blowing. Like, Molly Short, she ate a 100-patty fucking burger from In-N-Out. It's the world record. It was, I think, 21-pound burger. And if you see what she looks like, it's fucking incredible, dude. 100 pounds soaking wet. It's all stuck up in her chest and shit because there's no room in her stomach. It's, <laughs> it's truly incredible, man. It, it really is fucking amazing. Um, JP, do we have any housekeeping shit that we got to discuss or not? I don't think so, honestly. I don't think so. I know we discussed upcoming shows recently. Um, Mm -hmm. We also discussed... Yeah, I I mean, that's probably everything. But I will say again, there is still... There's shirts still for sale, so make sure you guys go out and spend your hard-earned money on 22 Shots shirts. I think we didn't sell any recently because people thought we were done. That was the big fucking rumor going around. It's like, oh, 22 Shots is, you know, they're on or they're not coming back. And I'm like, guys, we that oh, was we, Jeremy. We took the fucking break. I know. Jeremy, what the fuck is wrong Jeremy with that guy? Jeremy was starting the rumor. <laughs> like, on I don't his live streams, he would be like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like we're coming back. It's like, so that's it just doesn't why... feel the same when we took this break. It's like, I feel like everybody is kind of not really feeling it right now. <laughs> it had nothing to do with podcasting. It's just. The 2019 year just needs to fuck right off. We just need to get through this shit. And uh, we'll move on to the 2020s. Maybe they'll be radical. <laughs> uh, that's the line from Days and Confused. Um, <laughs> anyway. It's true. That is a line from Days and Confused. Yeah, yeah that's right. She's talking about the 80s. Great movie. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Um, okay. Well, I guess we'll just move on then. And we'll get into some news. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Yeah, uh, honestly, not that much news, dude. Not that much. So, um, first up, um, we have a little bit of news that the homie Sam Raimi is returning to horror to direct a new film. Um, it is untitled at the moment. It's for Columbia Pictures and it is penned by... Damien, Shannon, and Mark Swift, who wrote Freddy vs. Jason as well as the Friday the 13th remake. Oh my god, this movie's going to suck shit. Those scripts, um, are, those scripts are horrible. What? Hold on. Yes. Horrible. What? Okay, in what way is Freddy vs. Jason's script horrible? Really? I don't know. The whole movie is just a fucking mess. In Jason. what way? What name, not good what's, one, what's one mess quality? Like one thing that's a mess about it. Well, for for starters, the end of the movie is bullshit. What do you mean? Jason killed Freddy, as it should be. No, it should be Freddy killing Jason. The whole script is fucking bullshit right there. No, because he pulled him. They pulled him out of the dream. Freddy's weak out of the dream. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's that's bullshit. 
I mean, Jason is just the better killer. He's more effective. So yeah. I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that honestly, I think. I mean, dude, the script itself is pretty tropey. It's pretty standard stuff. There's not really anything it's, no, in, in that movie. No, it's actually not. I'll defend Freddy vs. Jason <clears throat> until the day that I die. I also haven't it's, watched it in a while either. It's super but. interesting. The only problem with it is it doesn't make sense how J- Freddy could inhabit Jason's dreams and wake him back up as, as the mother. Well, that's like, al- that's always been the question because Jason apparently w- – wouldn't that make, kind of make him human if he's dreaming and shit like that? So. Well, Jason isn't no because no, you don't. You could be un, you could be undead. He was resting, um, and having but, <laughs> dreams. You could be undead and, and having dreams. Okay, that makes a lot. Yeah, Freddie does. He's but he's he's, not he's like human. an entity. He's like an entity. It's different. That's that's what yeah. Thing well, Jason is. has been brought back to life, and he's like zombified. It, it's you know, but the point I is, is like maybe the you know these maybe people in you know, in eternal slumber type thing are easy to access their dreams. I don't know. They didn't explain it. That's the only problem I had, but like, yeah, you're right. They don't. It's kind of a little, it's kind of a really cool, interesting way that they brought those two together. Like nobody believes in Freddy anymore. That's where it goes back to the first Elm street where Nancy walks away from him. If people don't believe or fear him, then you know, he has no power. So everybody forgot the town covered it up. They gave everybody who did know about it, lock them up, give them hypnosale. I thought it was very interesting. Like, because how would you bring them together? I, I thought about it for years and I'm just like, I have no idea. And I thought that that plot worked really well. I don't know. I never really thought about how I would do it, but you know, it's been a long time since I've seen it all. So I just remember it being kind of messy you know, with certain things that aren't ex- explained. And I mean, obviously me being a Freddy person too, I'm like, the end, the end of this movie is bullshit. I would assume another way you could bring them together in the future would be like, or if they did another one like that, like if Elm Street kids went to summer camp or something, because then you're like taking their Freddy dreams to Crystal Lake. But I haven't seen it in a while either. I mean, I remember because I saw it in the theater and I, I, I liked it okay. I remember and- the cast being pretty shitty too. And that one fucking chick I like from cast. yeah, it still kind of felt because what year did it come out? They had like Remember? popular 2000, fucking R and B singers yeah. and shit in there. Like yeah, because it felt like a nineties cast hangover ish, like from the style of the nineties, the way they would do slashers. It was it felt kind of like more than that. Style I don't know, dude. I think that it felt like the first real Elm Street since like part five or something. Even though it, things it actually are, has, even, a, even though things are not really that explained, I think they're explained well. Just that one aspect of it is wasn't Jason like, afraid of water in it too? But no, it see, everybody says that, and I hate that he's not afraid of water. Like <clears throat> if he was like out in the world, like it's he's in a dream where he's like he's it's a it's a nightmare. You know what I mean? Freddy's taking the fact that he drowned and and playing it in front of him type thing. It's it's not that he's afraid of water. It's he's afraid of the nightmare water. You know what I mean? He's afraid in his nightmare. I mean, is that you just making up your own explanation, or is that really what? Because no, I, I just haven't I, seen it in a while. The commentary so. and stuff. I've watched every special feature, every commentary on Freddy versus Jason. Um, it just it that's what it is. I mean, that's why he uh, morphs back into a child. It's his it's his child fear. 
Well, I mean, toxic like waste drowned. made a morph back into a child in one of the movies. So. Yeah, but that's that, that's crazy, man. I was looking at like the locations. <clears throat> I knew this shit was shot in Vancouver, but it's funny for some of the characters' houses that they shot. They actually have the fucking addresses to the house where they shot on IMDb. That's crazy. You never see that. I I I really have always loved Freddy vs. Jason. I think it's one of the coolest movies in horror history. What? Um, one of the coolest movies in horror history. Holy shit, dude. 100%. The horror history of that year? Of period. <laughs> I think it's one of the coolest movies ever done. Period. Um, I mean, I would say for fan service wise, maybe. I, th- I think but, the dude, coolest thing about the movie you is You have that- Freddy and Jason in the same fucking movie. Like, also, that, yeah. Yeah, just, and you, you also had that for about three seconds in uh, Jason Goes to Hell, and that was fucking atrocious. No, that movie's awesome, dude. You just not watch it. You gotta watch it in a different way. As a Jason or as a fucking Jason movie, it's not good. No. Nah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I agree um, with it's that. not. I, I, I think it's still good. I just don't think it's. But I, as I know this whole argument, like you know, you, you know, separate yourself, blah blah. But I can't because it's part of the fucking franchise. It's a fucking yeah, Jason I, movie. I, that's not I good. I fucking get. I was re- like. Here's the thing, dude. Like, I just, I really nine don't films like the in, like nine films in. Like, why can't we do some off the rails shit? We're fucking nine films in here. Let's try something fucking. I crazy. never said that they couldn't, and we've had this argument before. I agree, doing something a little bit different. But the key word here is a little bit, not fucking. If you want the same movie, field. dude, you got seven, eight other ones to check out. But like body they're, hopping they're and shit, though, man, sick. it just seems it seems ludicrous to me. And you know, and the thing is, though, for most fans when they're clicking into a film like that, they want to see Jason, right? We, we don't really get to see Jason that much. And we get to see one cool ass scene with Jason yeah, but when, exploding. When Jason comes back. He's and fucking dope as shit. A little bit, but I'm saying, you know, the, the other 90, a little bit, the other 90, a little bit, he jumps through the fucking 95% of the movie is fucking back. soul hopping and shit. And he's reborn like, through Voorhees vagina. It's so a goddamn, it's, like, it's a fucking, it's a mess. Listen, it's not a mess. Here's is. the thing. I, if you're going to do a backstory and and explain like okay how is this fucking dude so not killable and shit like what what are you going to come up with like I thought it was pretty cool it was like a pretty cool little mythology that they set up it feels it feels like doing that is almost better for like a reboot than like a sequel though cuz like they totally I mean I I actually don't mind the movie I think it's pretty decent just a bad Friday the 13th movie. But like if I, I play that line or like, you know, if you watch it as not a typical Jason movie and you just, if you take watch it, it as it not is, a Friday the 13th movie, it kicks ass. If you watch it as a Friday the 13th movie, I could see why you have problems with it, but I still think it's pretty cool. Yeah, but honestly, who's just popping on fucking Jason goes to hell by itself. Me. Yeah. Yeah. You're weird. Well, when the unrated, um, God, came Duncan out, I wanted to see too. the difference. Oh, fuck. Fuck that guy, man, in his 1994 <laughs> list. No Cemetery Dude, Man. he picked Cemetery Man. Listen I know, but he, but he let he let this shit happen. You should have convinced motherfuckers that Cemetery Man is one of the best films out. of the 90s. And it didn't even make a top 10. That's insane talk. No, it made the top 10. It didn't make the top two. Or top two. What? You, whatever. Top but it's 94. I mean, there's like yeah. four or five really kind of hot heavy hitters that year. And I'm like, whatever. The rest of the list is whatever. Um. But, oh, yeah, I was going to say, man, I think the best thing about Freddy vs. Jason is that my man Dylan's in that movie, Chris Marquette. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so big ups to Dylan, uh, a.k.a. Chris Marquette. That, that helped get his name out there. I don't know, man. I always thought the cast in this movie was kind of lame, to be honest, man. Um, Jason I mean, Ritter's it's, just... It's like, I mean, it's like lame, like most of the 
it's that era, I mean, man. I'm telling you, that era <laughs> of horror film was really bad for putting in like pop icons and shit like but why is that it's not like their acting sucked like why is it bad because they're not just because they're a pop star no it has nothing to do with them if if they were a decent pop i mean tupac was a fucking star that could act right yeah but she she, her acting is no different than anybody else's in the film well yeah they all suck that's i thought the thing is kelly Rowland wasn't an actor that that was just my point dude you got kelly Rowland was not an actress i'm so sick of the people you guys have you just watched any of the Friday the 13th or Elm Street? It's, it's not fucking top notch acting no, no, no. throughout the entire series. Dude, I'm not They're saying all, you're missing the point. Has bad no, no, no. You're missing the point here. I'm not talking about the acting in general. I'm talking about selling a film by putting pop stars into your movie. See, that, 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 didn't, that annoys because the shit I didn't know who the fuck they were when I was yeah, a but kid. Everybody just a knew who girl. Kelly Rowland was, man. I didn't. Oh, God. dude, that's because you don't fucking you think Eminem's the best rapper of all time. You are well, you are exempt. Like you are fucking exempt from music out. talk, man. I swear to God. Well, I mean, dude, Kelly Rowland I mean, was a on, massive fucking what? star. Based Kelly... on album sales, based on lyrical ability. Like, what are we basing the the, the best on? Nobody gives a shit about fucking album exactly. Not, not lyrical. Ability. Nobody gives a shit it's about album sales. <laughs> um. But no, I mean, I, I, I but you know, I, I I've always, I've always Kelly had this issue, and you know this, by selling films by putting in non actors just because they're pop stars, or you know, the 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 fucking you know the the face of the time, you know, you look back the to two thousand and three. Is if the, uh, like Buster Rhymes? I'm a fucking huge bus. I love Buster Rhymes. I love Leaders of New School. Yeah, you know, I, I and like I love Buster that Rhymes shit. Too. But Buster Rhymes in Resurrection is. It's trash. He's trash. But I'm saying LL Cool J in H2O is awesome. LL Cool J in Deep Blue Sea is awesome. Yeah, but LL, he's got got a little bit of acting snaps, though, man. He's no fucking Tupac, but he's, LL can act a little bit. That was kind of, and he'd also done stuff prior to that, too. Like, he was trying to get into the game. I think a lot of people forget. Are you mad that Ice Cube's in Boys in the Hood? No, because not at all, man. Because that was that was a. I mean, it only because means, you like hip hop, you don't like pop. No, 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 no. Did it, it only did it means, take you out of Anaconda. It all, but no, but honestly, <laughs> casting did Ice J-Lo Cube and Boys in the Hood. Anaconda. Casting Ice Cube in the. But if you know the story behind that, Cube didn't fucking. He didn't even want to be. In, John Singleton came to him and asked him. He wrote the the uh, the role of Doughboy for Ice Cube. Ice Cube didn't want to do the movie at first, and he's like, "Well, the script is really good. Maybe I can probably well, play his character." He actually wrote it for NWA. Like that. Like the, all all of them were supposed to be in there before they fucking. Yeah. But yeah. anyways, my point is, is that Cube wasn't trying out for the role and stuff. He came to him. I, that's a little bit different, you know. It's like when you got people like Kelly Rowland. It's like, oh fuck, you know. As long as you just don't. As long as they don't affect the film, I don't care put anybody in it but honestly Cube is kind of a he's kind of one of those natural actors though man he's got he's got some fucking skills man i mean how do you go from doing boys in the hood to fucking you know very good comedic timing and friday and shit and he even wrote that shit with dj Pooh, so that's pretty good shit but you know going back to tupac a lot of people like oh you know rappers turn in fucking actors i'm like it's kind of interesting that people have that conversation sometimes because Tupac actually his original goal in life was to be an actor. That he was yeah, he did theater. And he shit. did theater and that was his main goal, writing and doing theater and stuff like that. He wanted to to pursue that, but the music just you know he got popular from that first. But yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, somebody like have you seen Kelly Rowland in anything else since? Probably not. She was a face at the time to sell the movie. I never seen her in anything before. I know because she wasn't an actress. That was that's the whole point of the conversation. She had. I, I mean, I never seen her anywhere. Like I didn't know. I, I didn't know who she was until like way later. 
Um, and then also, like, d- have you seen any, like, some of these fucking. Well, you've heard of Destiny's Child before. Afterwards. Destiny's Child with Beyonce, Kelly Rowland. Kelly Rowland was the yeah, other but, girl dude, in Destiny's Child. You gotta understand, I was, I was not JP that was like old a little kid at that time. Like, I am not listening to Destiny's Child. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I didn't listen to Destiny's Child either, but I knew who she was because Destiny's Child yeah, was a I little bit ne- huge. Like, like I you, didn't know who anybody was when I was that age. Like I didn't even know actors. Well, in probably. 2003, you were only about one or two, weren't you? Fuck, I keep forgetting about that. No, I no, I was. Uh, <laughs> how old was that? In 2003, 91. you were 12. You were 12. I was like 12. Yeah, I didn't know who the fuck anybody was. You can thank me later for figuring out your age before you did. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but no, I think that like when you look at like, do you know like what was fucking spencer in ever again from elm street six like who cares if he's uh, in anything else? clueless i know but i mean are you talking about Brett Brett this isn't this isn't what i'm talking about i'm talking about know, these spencer, guys the but these guys weren't be, hired on in those uh, movies because they were you know they they actually you know tried out for those films you know they they try to get in those films specifically so that makes sense they were actors struggling actors i mean everyone probably most likely started in some low budget shit or trash or exploitation i mean a lot of people did we know that but yeah, they put Usher on the fucking cover of the faculty, and he didn't do shit. Well, Spencer, the one, and see, the and that was, in, and that was one of the points I made about the faculty. You know, when I've talked about it before, I'm like, I mean, Usher's not horrible in the film, but why the fuck? Like, he's there because he's that he's fucking Usher, dude. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's stunt, well, he's Usher not walks into the, the studio film because he's in it for two lines. Exactly. Well, I'm just saying, it's like I don't, I don't even know how these things come about. It's like these producers. What's well, so like, what you call? Well, we call need a face. But again, it, it yeah, it's exactly man. It's to sell your shit. See, he, like, here's the thing, it's misleading dude. As fuck. You guys hated the the sticking stars <clears throat> in in horror movies, but really, it it actually had a positive outcome because you actually started getting like actual actors to be in horror movies instead of no names. But you know, it was um, never, it was never it, a big thing to me because you know, you know me JP, I don't review films. Like when I say, Oh, the acting was goodness, you know, it's just, it's just an observation. I'm not, when I go into watching, you know, old horror films, exploitation films, stuff, I don't. I'm not like Jeremy. I don't judge the acting to a point where I'm degrading. I, mean, I don't the, the rating either. and stuff on it. Like because when I watch these older films, I mean, this is these are lower budget films. These are the type of films that these type of actors would get. It was just something I always accepted. When you see people getting these roles in film because they're stars, it just it seems like it's almost going backwards. There's something about having those kind of no name actors in horror films that is very charming to me. It just has something about it. You know, it, it just. It adds to the the you know the appeal to the film to me too. I'm like Kelly Rowland in a fucking Jason Freddy movie. I'm like what? I don't know. It just it doesn't meld well to me. It's it's just the way my I brain she operates. Had some funny lines. It's just the way my brain operates. It's like I would never want to see Buster Rhymes in a Halloween film. Fuck that happened. Yeah, because it was trash. He's <clears throat> fucking horrible and ruined the whole movie. Yeah. Well, Buster I wouldn't, I wouldn't say ruined he, the movie. Well, the script is pretty. No, shitty. he <laughs> ruined the movie. Like it was bad. But he ruined it. Like, that, it's script, that script is, is is like retarded. It's so stupid. Like, like somebody I, literally I, wrote that at the end. He was insulted. ruined in the first so, scene. Somebody wrote that script at the back of the short bus for sure. No, the first scene's good. What are you talking about? First scene of Resurrection. It's the best part of the movie. Yeah, because Rambo Laurie fucking the mental died hospital before, before she fucking became Rambo Laurie. So that was good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, the the plot is described as misery meets castaway. What the hell so. are we talking about? Sam Raimi's new horror. Movie. Oh Jesus! What is it called? It doesn't have a name yet. Oh, misery meets castaway. 
misery yeah, meets saying it's, that's how it's being described okay so someone that someone is gets trapped on an island and meets annie wilkes probably so what so somebody's well, basically ankles are, misery somebody's ankles are getting broke with sledgehammers while playing with a volleyball so misery meets misery just not in the snowy uh, countryside. What? Is there passed away? That is the most fucked up mashup of films ever. Kind of strange. Tom Tom Hanks. Although I like those kind of, Yeah, I, I kind of like those, you know, islands kind of loner films. I like that shit. Yeah. They feel scary to me, man. I wouldn't want to be on a fucking deserted island by myself. Think about that for a minute. No. That would actually be kind of scary because you don't know what the fuck's out there. I could probably survive better than you guys could since I have actually outdoor mm-hmm. skills. But I have outdoor skills too. No. Yeah, no. I can build a fire with no matches, dude. That's pretty good. I can work yeah. with no handlebars. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking, I can catch fish with my bare fucking hands. Beat that shit. shit. <laughs> fucking outside skills. What? I grew up in the woods, dude. You have to have outside skills. <laughs> True that. True that. Well, that, that movie actually doesn't sound that bad. It's a weird kind of mashup of films to compare it to, but... As long as they don't fucking cast Kelly Rowland. <laughs> oh, I'll be all over so. it, man. <laughs> well, they wouldn't cast her now because it's like 16, 17 years later. She's probably all old and shitty. They'll probably cast <laughs> Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or no, who's who's the big who's the big one right now? Fucking Nicki Minaj or some bullshit. Fucking Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, Taylor right. Swift. So, um, after now, that, now you're just getting silly, Mike. Come on. The uh, Grudge <laughs> remake is actually going to be rated R. So there's that. Um, I don't really know what to say to that. Oh yeah, the the American remakes they were PG-13, weren't they? Uh, yeah. I I. I never even thought about that until you just said that it's going to be rated R, but I'm pretty sure they were uh, PG-13. Yeah. Which is fucking so American because the original Juwan films are rated R. All those movies suck. Juwan, The Grudge. Oh my God. I don't like any of them. He comes back to the fucking face paint. This guy's biggest gripe on the film was fucking face paint's like rubbing off his face. (laughs) I'm like, what the? Yeah, you can see through the face paint and see like pale or like tan skin underneath. It's a ghost. (laughs) Fuck. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's supposed you to be see transparent. Their regular human skin underneath. It's supposed to be transparent, man. Maybe Are you talking the, about like all of them or just the American? That, that, that's no, I'm fact. talking about the original Juwan. He's talking, he hates, I think he just hates Asian films in general. Huh. I don't know, no, I love Asian movies. I hate Japanese ghost stories and Japanese. You know what? Like, rubber fucking I suit. Think... What is, oh, dude, the fucking. Kaiju? Rubber fighter fighting ones, the kaiju films and stuff. No, I like those a little bit. Like the, like the fucking ones where all the metal looks like rubber, like fucking meatball machine and stuff. Oh. <laughs> None of the metal looks like metal. Well, because it's if it was so metal, annoying. that would be really dangerous to film. You know, films aren't real, well, man. It looks like fucking cloth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think Break, honestly, man, breaking news, if our exact breaking news, news films are not real, man. Come on. Um, yeah. For the so, Patreoners so. that are listening to this show, if you're out there and I'm sure you are, 
JP needs to have some picks. No, don't give me any fucking grudge movies. No, seriously. I'm not, dude. I'm trying I'm to be. Fu- I'm trying to be fucking polite here. Don't interrupt oh, me, you Mexican. Line up the J horror. <laughs> so, anyways, right. as I was saying, JP needs to have some good Asian ghost story films. There actually is some really good ones out there. I don't want those. Don't give me those. Yes, fill his inbox I mean, with yeah. Asian ghost stories I mean, that are give good. Me a- I love them. Give them to me. I pick up, I pick up <laughs> oh, he's trying to. Look at this guy. He's trying to use reverse psychology right now. He's like, yes, I love those movies. Because we know how that, that works out when you say you don't like something, right? Yeah. Yeah, but Jeremy, he just he tortures himself, I've man. I've seen he, some good ones. I, I like. Uh, Dark Water. That's good. Dark Water. The yeah. Eye was decent. Shudder. Uh, Ring is okay. I like the American one way better, though. Um. Yeah, that's about it. I don't really like the Japanese ghost stories. Maybe some of the older ones. I think the older ones might actually sell you a little bit. I feel like the I like older House. ones. House is great. I feel yeah. I feel like some of the older ones, man, use the mythology a little bit differently, and it's kind of like but, more. It's more to the real mythology and stuff. I think some of the later ones kind of look get a little bit scarce and they change well, yeah, things. Just, but it's it's just one of those genres too that it got oversaturated so quick. Like it was like, Hey, there's these few of them. And the next thing you know, there's like hundreds and you, you have to sift through home. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. All right. So, uh, after that bit of news, um, what else do we have here? Robert Eggers is coming off of the lighthouse, which is came out today. I believe it's limited. Yeah. Um, it, ex- it expands next week. Cause I start getting show times next Thursday. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but anyway, he is his next film is going to be called The Northman, a Viking revenge tale. Uh, mm. The cast in talks is Nicole Kidman, Alexander Skarsgård, Anna Taylor-Joy, Bill Skarsgård, and William Defoe. Jeez, <laughs> such a good cast. Isn't <clears throat> so? Why is this? Why is the lighthouse limited and then just going a little bit more wide after that? Why is what's the point of that? Uh, I just sometimes. Yeah, they, that's not too uh, uncommon here. Where like the bigger cities get it first, uh, and then they kind of. It's think still going to be pretty limited. Do they I just think they, they just want to see I what think, kind of numbers the bigger cities are going to do before? Yeah, they I think expand what they out? do is yeah they kind of sparse it out to where like okay let's see what New York, LA, and Chicago do, yeah. and based on those we'll start planning what we want to do from yeah, there. But if it does bad, they'll just stop. Yeah, they'll stop. They 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 won't keep opening it because they can't justify. Like, I feel like small it, I feel like it, they did it with the witch. The witch was a small one, and then they expanded. Um, yeah, that's true. Because I uh, think this one being black and white, they didn't want to. That I I I don't think modern audiences. Yeah, it sucks to say, but I, I don't think that they're they thought had much faith that modern audiences would see it. I don't either. And this one kind of gives me, it comes at night vibes where people might think they're going into something that it's not going to be. And then they're going to be all pissed off. Well, the the witch is like one of those textbook type examples of film, you know, in modern horror film history that really fucking divides people, man. Yeah. To the point where it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Thought pretty much everybody liked it. Uh uh-uh. uh. Dude, there's so many people that hate that movie, man. 
What a bunch of weirdos. It's. I think it's because it's probably what I'm assuming is probably because it's like a period piece, you know, with the dialect is all fucking choppy. It's not choppy, but it's something you really do want to have the subtitles on for just to kind of make sure you're not missing anything kind of thing. But it's a little, <laughs> little bit confusing, but I don't, those movies just aren't for everybody. It's a little artsy and shit like that. I mean, I understand the divide on it. I love a 24. I think it's, people just can't, they just can't separate themselves from, you know, Oh, you know, like this isn't really for me, but then, you know, they give it, they, they can't recognize that it's a great film. It's, Dude, yeah, the it's witch general- is fucking amazing. Like I, I didn't love it when I first seen it. I gave it a 7.5, but the dialogue mm-hmm. was a real problem for me seeing it in the theater. I couldn't hear a lot what they were saying. Cause the accents were so on point, but then, um, seeing it at home with the subtitles, like, I loved it, and then I watched it again. I loved it even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's that kind of movie's a problem with the general audiences because they they see a movie called The Witch, they see the advertisements for how scary it is, and they go to a movie expecting there's some crazy witch running around the woods murdering that you're you know almost like a proto slasher or slasher. That's what they think they're going to be getting, and half hour into when it's not that, they just. I'm done with this. I think I, I think the period piece hurts it. Well, I, I think, think I th- I think it's a period piece, and obviously the dialect using it too, which is amazing. Like how on point that was. It just still to this day blows my mind. And those actors pulled that shit off. They all should have won awards for that. Um, but I think a lot has to do with you know when you go to the cinema, you know some of the younger people. I don't want to just say millennials, but you know it's some, certain people in general. You know they they want to they go to the cinema to watch more of a popcorn flick. And this is one that you kind of have to pay attention and also think about too. Right. I you know, it's not spoon fed. Yeah. It's not a lot of people go to the theater to see things that are familiar. And when it gets outside of that box, it, they don't, I'm not saying like they're completely closed off to things that are outside the box, but I, I think when they're not expecting that and that's what they get, it's hard for them to reconcile it in the, in that same sitting. Now, maybe later they'll revisit it and, now, now that they know what they were getting into, they'll maybe their uh, opinion will improve on it. But in that moment, I think it it does something to their mindset where it's like, "What the fuck is this? Like, yeah. this isn't what I thought." And it ruins it. Yeah, the second you got to think about something, it's like, "Wow, this one really isn't for me." Or even pay attention to the dialogue, <laughs> you know? Because it's or, like you have to concentrate on it, man. Like if you're watching without subtitles, it's it's well, definitely it's like how, yeah, it's yeah, something how you got to put your mind to. How, how many people want to see it comes at night and like all they could say about it at the end was like, dude, nothing came at night. Like, okay, that's the, all you got out of that movie. Like, I got so much. That was my, that's see, the, I one wish, of the only films I gave a 10 out of 10 to in the past, like five years. I honestly years wish, I honestly wish that it comes at night. Wasn't titled that way. I think, the title, does, I, no, I think the title see, hurts. That's the, mo- the problem. Hurts, no, it, it hurts do, it the does. people that can't, they can't separate themselves from a title yeah, to but something fuck those people, but, but they're not, they're not, they're obviously not. People. And they're also not reading between the lines of it comes a night also because shit did come at, come at night. It does yeah, come at night and people the miss whole the whole fucking point of this movie, which is very discouraging. But I think if it had been titled something different, it the, the been trailer a was very misleading. See, I never saw it. So I don't even fucking <laughs> the, know, the trailer so. was very misleading, but I just don't care about stuff like that. Like, I no. don't care. Like people get mad that they're like, I was expecting this and I got this. I'm usually happy you, if you I know was what? expecting this and got this. We need to mark this down for when we do our, you know, uh, decade show. Because that's definitely one of those films that sparked a lot of controversy. Because remember how pissed off people were about 
the promotion for the film the the trailer was yeah, misleading yeah, people were like i hate this movie absurd. because nothing came at night and the trailer was misleading it was it, it made it look like it was a creature feature and it wasn't a creature feature and nothing came at night and blah 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 like man that movie sparked a lot of anger in people man there was fuck i swear people were making facebook groups based on this film just to bash it you know what i'm saying it's like that's crazy what a film can do to somebody man it's crazy and like for somebody like me i don't watch trailers and even if I did see the trailer, I still go into movies with an open mind. I'll still take it for what it is and try to figure it out and, you know, figure it out for myself. I think a lot of people were just piggybacking off each other, too, when it came to the, the hate on that film. Like, they do with Rob Zombie films and shit. Like, you know, it, it is what it is. You well, know, with those type of things. Everyone's not going to like the same shit. We don't have to like the same shit. That's not the point of the conversation right now. The point of the conversation is just to open people's eyes a little bit and just mm-hmm. accept what you're watching. You know, everything doesn't need to be spoon fed to you. And I think that's a major, major problem with a lot of people when they go to the cinema and watch films. They just they really don't want to sit there and think and they want to be overly entertained. But me personally, see, I watch films differently. I love, you know, films that are really, you know, have good cinematography and atmosphere and shit. Those are the biggest sellers for me, man. And that movie has that. You know, Some it's creepy. It's slow like movie. The art house stuff. Yeah. See, I, I think, the, the, but those are very creative type films because to be honest, it's hard to do properly. Right. And keep you when something's moving that slow, it's hard to keep people's attention. But with me, I, I just I get more drawn into it. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, what's going to happen? I love that shit, man. I, I live for that type of shit. It's awesome. Yeah, I I prefer. Well, I think especially now I kind of prefer that kind of stuff where you don't know exactly what's coming next. And you really have to pay, in t- pay attention and be in tune with the movie. And, you know, anything could kind of happen next. As opposed, and it's not like I don't like popcorn horror too, but I, I just think certain movies take that shit to a new level. I, I guess the word, the the trendy word now is prestige horror, or whatever the fuck. It, but I mean, it is true when it comes to some of that or elevated, that horror. elevated, yeah, it's, it's elevated horror, one. man. Oh my god, that term, dude. What the fuck? I don't, I don't hate that term. I, I kind of like it. Well, I don't mind it. But what the only I think thing it's offensive me- a little bit. I think it's a tad bit offensive because when you when you're putting films into a category called elevated horror, like it's kind of downplaying everything else just a well, tiny bit. I mean, it's still well, genre films regardless no, of how well. No, it's people who write the articles and and are like super lame and and yeah, they're lame. up in the air. Well, those people suck. But I actually think the term actually fits. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the term. What what. What bugged me the most when that because it was that first big article that came out. What bugged me is the suggestion that 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 type of horror is something new. Like oh, because I think it was when yeah. uh, Hereditary came out. Maybe when it, uh, maybe between The Witch and Hereditary, they're like oh, this new breed of horror fans that's like elevated. above I'm like, you obviously haven't been watching horror very long because there's these type you of. You can tell the guy the guy years. who wrote the article is not a horror fan. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I remember that article. Yeah, no, I hated that. Art. Has no stu- Yeah, just does not know what he's talking about for sure. Yeah, yeah. like there's never been like yeah. a really fucking well done artsy type film. You know, along yeah, these type the, same lines. It's crazy. The difference. I mean, the difference is that it's it's mainstream now. Like Hereditary, Us, Get Out, It Comes mm-hmm. at Night, uh, Midsommar, The Witch. I think that it's kind of like, you know, it's always existed but i think because it's in the mainstream it's that's why you're getting new terms yep unfriended 
No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see one of you guys remember. What? (laughs) No, fucking Fred. If you want to watch some shit like that, man, watch The Den. The Den is the good movie of that. Nobody talks about that movie except for us. I think The Den. I actually. To be honest. Oh, go ahead. I think The Den may have started that whole shot on your computer type shit, too. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) It was like the first I mean, film I remember there was, seeing. That, there was films of that caliber, like, but not, but not that good, that. though. Like, The Den was actually done to the point where I was like, wow, that's fucking have edited you, really well. Have you guys seen Well, Searching, Searching was really yeah. good. Searching, yeah, I like, would say, if I had to, I would say it's more thriller than horror. But the oh, yeah, way sure. the way they integrate like social media, to me, it comes off as a realistic, out of all like the kind of, oh, my God, I'm looking up stuff on social media. They integrate it the best, more, most realistic way that if someone went missing, that's almost exactly how you would be using like websites and search history and how yeah, stuff would unfold. It was so well good. done. I haven't seen They're it. They're making a sequel to that, I think. They are. Is it different? Like a different situation or probably, the same probably, character? I hope. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> like, how the hell are they going to extend that story? <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, Searching was super cool. It, it almost made my top 10. Um, I think last year it was. I missed that um, one. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, really I, I didn't see it in theaters. I it takes I me. Was, oh, I didn't. I didn't see it in theaters either. It takes me. It takes a lot to to really want to make me watch something to do with like this new age technology and shit like that. I guess I'm kind of old school, but like I, I'm even, actually a sucker for those films. I, I like them. I'm just. I, I've seen a lot more that I didn't care for. The Den really sticks out to me. I really fucking enjoyed the shit out of that. But what was that one that recently came out with fucking there was, with Harold? Uh, unfriended. <laughs> No, the movie with Harold. Harold? Yeah, from Harold That's and searching. Kumar. Is that, oh, is, that, is that what it's yeah. called? Oh, okay. John Cho. Is that what it was called? Yeah, that, searching? that one's fucking great, yeah. dude. Oh, dude, yeah. I totally thought it was called something different. Never mind. So, yeah, no, I haven't seen it. So, anyways. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know, man. Some of the technology shit, I'm just like, you know, man, I could do without it and stuff. I, I don't get Harold. We're like, who the fuck's Harold? Oh, Harold Kumar. <laughs> well, I don't know what his what name is. What I always call him Harold it, Um they're calling it desktop horror. That's what they're calling it. That's huh. the actual tech. Wow, that's really creative. Desktop horror. <laughs> no, I mean uh, it makes sense, right? I mean it's it's like within the computer and phone. Uh, yeah, and I stuff. just figured it'd be like social media horror Fucking or something because it always seems to... Yeah, but it's not just about. So it's like it's a the style is like different. You know what I mean? Like it's like a it's like a uh, spinoff of found footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, while social media horror could fucking just be about man, unfriended sucked. Fuck Browse, sucked. browser history horror. I like unfriended. <laughs> I thought I the first one it. was the first one was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll give it that. Yeah. Like I I, ha- I actually had passes to that, and I, mean, I was like, horrible, do I even want to go to it? And I ended up going, and I was like, yeah, it's okay. It was like decent. I there, man, I, I'm trying to think. There was another one that I seen, too, but it was like I think it was like a lower budget one or something. God, is this going to be a thing? Like in this. in about two years, when I can make a top ten desktop horror list? <laughs> yeah, there's there's about six or seven of them now. I think. Good lord. Well, yeah. I don't I don't know. I've only seen. They should a do like a, they should do like a throwback one where they're on like fucking three eighty sixes and it takes like ten minutes to send a message to somebody. <laughs> On 386s with dial-up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the days of dial-up, man. Fucking gnarly. Yep. Oh, All right, God. so... Oh, fucking, um, that was the worst ever, man. Let's move on here. Uh, we have... 
I don't know, I've seen people review this already and talk about this, but apparently it. I don't know if it has an official release yet because it's this film uh, is going to be hitting. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh He's fucking up. I have no idea what the, Okay, so this article is like really pointless. Never mind. What's the name of the movie? That's why people have seen it. <laughs> because it came out in April. Oh. Um, but for whatever reason, there's a, a new article talking about how it's... Oh, the DVD release, I guess. Um, it's called I Trapped the Devil. Have you guys watched it yet? Uh, I Trapped the no, Devil, yes. but I know. Is that the one where the guy thinks he has like the devil in his yeah, it's basement? Christmas. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Is I know it good? It. Yeah, I I thought it was actually really decent. I was. It impressed. sounds. Cool. I was impressed with it. Yeah, I you know I, okay. It was it was one of those. I I heard a few people. I saw a few reviews and stuff, and they were kind of indifferent on it. But I thought it was really good. So, IFC released it on on disc. IFC Midnight. Yeah. Um, after that, uh, Italian horror master Dario Argento is back and With is set to direct a TV series not titled The Sandman. Um, it's titled Long Longinus. I heard it's the Kickstarter too. No, it's <laughs> not <laughs> the Kickstarter. Oh, you, do you know the whole Kickstarter thing with the Sandman? Argento's Sandman movie. Uh. Oh, basically <laughs> every basically everybody that well the short and long of it is basically everybody that uh, you know donated to the Kickstarter just yeah. got, got fucked on it. The it, it was like funny. Brief history of it is um, back in like 2013 or 14, uh, Dario Argento launched a Kickstarter uh, for a film called The Sandman, which actually looked pretty cool. Like the the <clears throat> the um sales art and stuff looked really neat and it was about like a serial killer or something seemed like kind of maybe giallo rooted or something and um named the sandman and it was like i think iggy pop was in it and they needed they did a kickstarter and it it surpassed its goal it wanted like a hundred thousand and it made like a hundred and thirty five thousand or something um and then we were just talking one day about Dario Argento, probably during Italian Horror Month, I believe. And we literally was like, dude, whatever happened in that movie he did? And we started like looking into it a little bit and stuff. And um, then, I don't know, I think Bloody Disgusting around the same time. like It, it was. It was oddly around. Yeah, like, I odd- think they listened to us. Somebody over there listened <laughs> it, it, to it us. Was like, strange, it was This yeah. happens all the time. Like We'll talk about something, and then next thing you know... Um, There'll be an article yeah. about it. It'll be something obscure too. <laughs> um, but th- they did an article like updating, like they reached out to some people, and uh, apparently, apparently it was like a like just a product producing nightmare or something. Like I think some investors lied and said they had money and they didn't or something, and they, it just never got off the ground. But they finally, I believe, after like three or four years, sent the posters to the people who paid for posters. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not a made movie. Like nothing ever happened with it. And they got $130,000 or something. So Isn't that more of a kick in the face though, really? They sent I'm just posters like, where to did the, the people. And I'm like, why the fuck would you want a poster of a film that's never coming out? 
Actually, dude, that's going to be a pretty decent collector's item when Dario Argento dies. Maybe. I, maybe it's a little bit bittersweet, though. I mean, honestly, dude, like, I wasn't overly even that stoked about that movie in the, in the first place because, let's face it, his track record leaving, leading up to that film, not really the greatest. I guess we'll find okay, out next so, year, eh, buddy? So they, um, okay, so in 2014, that campaign, it was an Indiegogo launched. It's funny, every year we do a little update on this. Oh, it made 195000 excuse me. Jesus. Um, and it had 1,082 backers. I mean, there was all kind of perks on there. I mean, from everything. You can't How is see there not lawsuits else. out the ass on that? Because like $195,000 seems like enough money where people would be like, you know. Dude. I gotta do, people, we got to do something about people, this. Okay, look at this. Somebody claimed the – two people claimed the $25,000 perk. <laughs> uh, one person claimed the $5,000 perk. A couple of people, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people claimed the $500 perk. Two people claimed the $250 perk. 20 people claimed the $130 perk. Jesus. There's another $2,500 perk. Another $2,000 perk. Eight people claimed a $1,800 perk. Fifteen or two people claimed a $1,500 perk. What the hell are um, all these 46, per- pe- 46 people claimed a f- uh, $150 perk. I mean, dude, it's. There's a lot of perks crazy. in this, man, that are expensive. Oh, th- no, there's tons more. 265 people claimed the $35 perk. Good lord, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure the people that claim those 25000 or whatever they were, 50. Would you say 25 or 50? 25. Uh, 25. You would think that they would have to go after somebody on that. I mean, it's 25 fucking grand. Even if you're rich, it's about the principal at that point. Yeah. Right? Like 25 Uh, grand, I'm just not going to hand over to somebody and be like, oh, well, you know, your shit, uh, it kind of went self-production-wise. I understand. You know what? Keep the money. Take the kids out for some Mickey D's. Really? Like, fuck off. That's fucking insane, dude. (laughs) And then, yeah, uh, Bloody Disgusting did an article on it in 2017. Um, And then one other person did one in March. Did we ever talk about that one? March, there was an update. March Uh, of 2019, this year. So I don't know if we did. Probably not, because we only did a couple shows to the point where we decided to break up for... All right, it says, uh, despite Dario Argento's legacy getting dragged through the mud by Luca... Gadagongo Suspiria remake. Oh, wow. This is a clearly biased article. The Italian filmmaker, uh, filmmaking great, is edging towards releasing his next project. As Argento revealed in a new interview, we can expect his new film out next year and likely via streaming hub like Netflix or Amazon. But what isn't clear is whether it's actually the Long and Works film with Iggy Pop. Hmm. Argento made the reveal about his latest project today while on radio rise unger blah 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 explaining the film would actually be divided into a series of episodes when asked about the project the director said my new movie i am working on it with my writers there is still some work to do but i am happy with the result it will be a serial movie for television broadcasting consenting of eight episodes in total so it's not a movie uh when asked about how the film project would be released argento said netflix or amazon adding it would arrive maybe at the end of next year but while argento revealed these details the director did not say whether he was referring to his adaptation with the sandman which was to star iggy pop 
that project was announced way back in 2014, but despite launching an Indiegogo campaign for the film, it's yet to see the light of day with neither Argento nor Pop saying much about the project in more recent years. However, when asked about the title of his new project, Un Garano de Paro interview, Argento did not specify that it was the same. It's not the same. And why is this, these people writing this article is so dumb? Uh, it would feature a female lead, such as it appears, and Argento could be cooking up something entirely differently. We actually have two or three titles in mind. We will need, only need to pick pick up one of them, he said, adding of the plot. The protagonist will be a woman, a foreigner, because the co-producing company is American, and the we'll, movie will be in English. So far, no official Okay, that 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 was not an update at all. <laughs> You've been practicing your um, reading, haven't you, Ben? That wasn't why? bad. Well, though, thank you. You had a nice little flow going there. No, I, I think I think the reason why it's kind of held up in production or whatever's going on there, because Argento's wa- Argento is waiting to get word back on if Aja's going to you know show her tits in that. So no, well, <laughs> honestly, so this that what they she were talking work, about, man. There. She needs work. She's been fucking blackballed from Hollywood, man. She needs work. She's like, Daddy. Do you need my tits to sell this movie? I'll do it. <laughs> what they were talking it's about weird, there right? is it's probably weird. this thing we're talking about here because this is a TV series that we're talking about here. But so. if it's going to be on Netflix and shit, it could have titties. Nobody's saying it can't. Yeah. And it, um, and it can't I'm have saying, Aja's. I'm saying that this show... Do it for us, Aja. Mm-hmm. She needs work, this man. This show... Really he's 70... Uh, Star Agent is 79. Um... He's directing the show. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's probably what the, he was referencing in that article from earlier this year. I can't believe Argento uh, is still, you know, trying to put projects together and shit, man. Like, he's, you know, pushing 80 years old. He's quite clearly in the, you know, in the latter part of his golden years. This guy's still trying to do stuff. And, I mean, let's face it, man. His last, like, five or six movies have been pretty shitty. You know, not Argento quality oh, and well, stuff. Last five or six? Of his filmography. Well, you haven't got to him yet, dude. Um, there's only like six, we got this year and we got next year. There's like well, six left. yeah, there's six left, and I like Sleepless. So I said five or maybe, six. Then maybe that- the other five are bad. <laughs> but um, so yeah, dude. Um, I mean, I know that there's technically there. I. I I'm just saying there technically is a way to do another Argento show. Just well, we, saying. Well, we didn't just do. Saying. Yeah, I know. Well, the thing is, no, we did. No, the, no, I'm saying we're, we're going to do Giallo, Dracula 3D, and D like Hitchcock next year. But I'm saying there's even a possibility to do one after that. Well, the thing is, we've done his two episodes from Masters of Horror. We never did his, his short in um, Two Evil Eyes. Or did we? That's well. Yeah, no, we, that no, we was. Didn't. No, we didn't do that. And we and we didn't do the western. And we also didn't do his episode of um, Door in the Darkness, that little short Italian series. I have the I have the set from Maya. It's got like four short, um, basically movies. It's, they're about an hour piece, and he actually mm-hmm. directed one of them along with Luigi Cozzi and um, a couple other guys and stuff. It's actually really underrated. Like you hear, I never hear people ever talk about that short lived series. And uh, yeah, considering Argento was a big part of it, he was the one that put the whole thing together and even directed one of the episodes, which I remember being pretty good, actually. So, but yeah, I mean, there's the is that what you're talking about? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. So, 
No. Um, we're, but, we're, not, we're not trying to make shift a fucking another year, man. I think you're, you're ending it. <laughs> no, six, I'm, man. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do another one. I was just <clears> being funny, but I mean, I don't know. We, I mean, we could probably somewhere put in two evil eyes just, just to say we've completed his filmography. We could do an, another episode, not like a Italian month episode, but like a fucking anthology episode or something. Why don't we just do it as a bonus feature at the end? of our gentle six yeah yeah we'll do four films for his last one huh there's literally like it's an hour long yeah yeah it's like anyway anyway um the last little bit of news here is um which this isn't really that much news because it was already known um daniel harris was at a convention um halloween reunion um where she was asked about the hatchet films and she said there's supposed to be two more. Um, and she said that I know Adam said they're going to shoot them at the same time. I have not read the script or done oh, anything. Fuck, I, don't like that. I just know that he always makes me do really stupid shit and a lot of it. So hopefully I'm going to be handcuffed. It's not going to be handcuffed the entire movie this time or covered in. Uh, it's completely insane what he has me do. But I know there's supposed to be two more, which is great. I know when I got her to sign my hatchet three DVD in the in the summer, she's like, "Oh yeah, I wish I had more to do in this one." <laughs> and it, like the look she gave me when I said, "Yeah, it's actually my favorite hatchet movie," she kind of looked up at me and like, "Uh, okay." She had a lot to do in Hatchet Three, did she not? Well, I mean, she was mostly in the police station for it, to be honest. Yeah. Right? Actually, she's in there pretty much the whole time. Yeah. So not really a whole um, lot. Not not really a whole lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to him. I, I hope he does them. Uh, I like them all, so. Well, I just hope, I mean, if they're going to shoot both of the movies at the same time, I hope that there's, like, a budget for two movies instead of just having, you know, a my, like a minor budget and just making two movies out of it. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Because when, you, when you're shooting two movies at one time, you always kind of get that in the back of your mind that, hey, the budget must not be that great. So that's a little bit worrisome, but, I mean, you got the uh, – yeah the characters coming back and stuff. That's always a good thing. So, yeah. And that's the news. Fucking thing sucks. This, I guess this is a, a knowledge segment again, uh, sticking with the theme last the week. Don't where... you tell me about this shit so I can be like, yo man. And, uh, JP's got a knowledge segment. Let me do my show. I, I just like to surprise you guys. Um, Sticking with the theme of last week, I did the top 20 greatest killer clown films, which was not a great list. Uh, so I have horrible. two more lists here. I'll let you pick which one you want me to do. Uh, there is the Dreadful 10, the top 10 non-sploitation films, or a recommendation of seven non-sploitation films from Rue Morgue. Top 10. Okay, top 10. This is actually... Rebecca McKendry's top 10, uh, who is from Shockwaves. Oh, yeah. And actually, she did a pretty, she has a spinoff show called like Nightmare University or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did an episode on non exploitation there that's actually really good. So check that out if you never have. I bet you the Rue Morgue's uh, recommendations are pretty good. Maybe, maybe just rip through those quickly after. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> look at that. A lot, of the same, a lot of the same <laughs> ones. Okay, so the the top ten here is uh, has three honorable mentions. I, I haven't seen like any of these movies, so I'm looking at moods to tell me if they're any good. Okay. Well, hopefully I've She's seen them. She's probably seen most of them. Uh, so uh, the honorable mentions are Sister Emmanuel. Oh, yeah. It's pretty decent. It's okay. All right. Then the true story of the nun of Monza from 1980. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. All right. And Sister Smiles. I have not seen that one either. Nope. Is that even an? I don't. That might not be a movie. That might be something from a TV show. I know. The um, song okay. So here's the here's the here's <laughs> the top ten. Um, I'm not sure if these are in order or not. It doesn't have numbers next to them. But first up is The Devils, 1971. Oh, Ken Russell's The Devils, man. <laughs> you know what, man? Actually, when I even when I brought up the fact I wanted to do like a non-exploitation film, and I mentioned these two films that we're going to be reviewing later, I immediately after was like, "Fuck! It would have been so good to do." the devils with these two because these movies are i mean they're not connected to the devils but they are just kind of like you know they're not like an extension of the devils in a sense mm. they have similarities okay but that movie is fucking phenomenal and the crazy thing about the devils is that that movie's never been like released fully fully uncut there's been like uncut versions but there's apparently there's like a longer version and stuff i think yeah, I, there I, there has been a release of it completely uncut on shutter actually but i think they took it off now oh really because uh, yeah because yeah, it was I, like like a couple years ago shutter like announced it as that too they're like the only place to see the you know ken russell cut or whatever hmm because i always thought but, that there was like a lot of problems with that footage and stuff and it wasn't it wasn't sanctioned or whatever to to be released i don't know there's just there was problems with the the cut footage but there's so many different cuts of the movie it's like crazy but yeah. And then uh, f- next up is Flavelia, Flavella, mm. Flavi- Flavia, Flavia, the heretic from 1974. Yeah. Great movie. Own that one too. All right. Then school of the Holy beast from 1974. Who I have not seen that one. Hmm. That's surprising. Uh, then we have Satanico pandemonium from 1975. One of the films we're reviewing tonight. Yeah. And then Alicarda from 1977, which is the other film we're reviewing tonight. Yep. Oh, yeah. Then we have The Killer Nun from 1978. Yeah, Killer Nun's decent. Um, this one might be kind of a little bit of a shoe, shooing it in, forcing it in. Miss 45 from 81. <laughs> really? They put Miss 45 in there? In my, in my wearing, opinion. She's wearing nun garb. It is true, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, it's not like... It's not a non-sploitation. I don't know. That's interesting. But it's my favorite rape revenge film. Um, not mine. I love Miss Forty Five. It's so fucking brutal. It's not that. I don't know, dude. I watched it and I was like, "Hey, this is what everybody's talking about." I didn't think it was. I liked it. I just didn't think it was like, "No, I spit on your grave" or anything. Oh fuck! You can't. You got to be kidding me. I spit on your grave. You like that one more than Miss Forty Five? Yeah. Oh man, I think the remake is better. <laughs> the fucking original one. That's just me. I don't know. Uh, then we have Dead Waters, nineteen ninety four. Uh, I've never seen it. Oh, there. You know what? I just realized uh, they are in chronological order. Um, then we have the Convent from two thousand. Oh yeah. 
It's fun. And then finally, The Devil's Backbone from 2001. Huh. Cool. All right. And the Room Org list also has Flavilla, Flavia, the Heretic. Yep. School of the Holy Beast. Hmm. I'm going to have to check that Satanico out. Satanico Pandemonium. Killer Nun. Alicarda. The Other Hell. That was the only one that was not on there so far. Oh, the fucking Bruno Matai film, The Other Hell. <laughs> nice. I've seen that before, I think. I think I own that movie. Well, you probably got it for free, yeah. I think so. Uh, Dark Waters was the last one on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I'm surprised that um, Malabimba wasn't on there. That one's a really good one. <laughs> on either list. Crazy. Yeah, there's some yeah, good ones. There's some good ones out there. The Last House on the Beach. That's an honorable mention. Actually, that's got the same chick that was that stars in Flava the Heretic. She's in that one too. Man, the seventies really love their non-exploitation. I'll tell you what. Exploitation era, man. Actually, the if you wasn't there like a newer one. Uh, nude nude nuns with big guns. That movie's kind of fun. Yeah, I think it came out in like two thousand nine or ten or something like that. <laughs> it's what the, a name! It is, man. It's actually pretty fun though. <laughs> yeah, good shit. All right, so that is that. Cool. Well, that was that was fun. Mm-hmm. For these theme shows, keep trying to find some of these top ten lists. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I mean, if you really have to go digging for some obscure theme or something like that, I probably did a top ten on my channel. You can just name mine. Uh, I thought about that, but I was like, yeah, that. <laughs> I didn't feel like feel like going through the video, writing them down. Yeah, true that, man. Uh, okay, well, I guess that's uh, a knowledge segment. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? children. What do we do? Why don't we just... Wait here for a little while. See what happens. All right, man. Jumping into the dub, dub, dub portion of the show. What we watched. Who wants to start us off this week? I'll go. Um, so first up here, I got a screener of Weed G's Halloween Night. <laughs> Um, this is the first of the it's full amazing. moon deadly 10. Um, so full moon launched this actually very, very interesting. I wish it had got more steam, um, but very interesting concept where they created a website, um, where they were going to live stream the production of films that they were going to make, um, 10 of them to be exact. And they, I checked out some of the live streams and honestly it was really neat. And th they had like sort of edited down versions of like stuff that happened. I wish I could have watched more of it. Um, but it was a, it was a very interesting concept by Charles band and the full moon crew. Uh, and there is some cool movies that they were doing too. Um, some really exciting ones that I'm really excited for. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the list here of the 10 films uh so the 10 films are ouija's halloween night um necro 
Necropolis Legion, which is a sequel to Necropolis hmm. um, from the 90s, I believe. Blade of the Iron Cross, Blade's own spinoff movie uh, from Puppet Master. Uh, Subspecies 5, Blood Rise, finally doing another sp- subspecies, um, which I, I want to say, I think that, who's the guy that did that, the original subspecies? Um, I forget his name. Oh, dude, it's like sitting right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Ted oh, Nikolai. Yeah. Yeah, he actually is coming back to direct that, so that's cool. I hope um, I hope somehow we can capture that 90s feel because the, subspe- <laughs> sub- the subspecies franchise is like straight 90s. The whole fucking franchise was in the 90s. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, then uh, Sorority Babes and the Slime Bowl Aroma 2. Um, which is actually going to be directed by uh, Brink Stevens oh, and David Dicado. <laughs> Brink Stevens starred in the first one. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they might even got some of the cast back for that one. Oh, yeah. Linnea. I, think. I was going to say Leanna Quigley is probably in it for sure. Linnea. Um, but <laughs> Fuck also uh, the Hourglass. Uh, Femme Alien Cosmic Crush, The Shadow Heart <laughs> Curse, the, the Grim Reaper, and one that I'm really excited for, Bride of the Head of the Family, which is... Oh, they're actually making that now. Yeah. Well, if you remember on the DVD to Head of the Family, or the VHS, rather, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you watch the end, they had um, like production footage for out of the head of the family and they just never made it so yeah i thought it was really cool and like each film you could click on on the website and this is all free this was all free um and you can look at like the director's interview beforehand you could look at like sneak peeks with the fx guy like all this stuff and when they would film they would have three cameras on live streaming the entire day like the eight hour day or whatever they did 10 hour day um, and the next one that they're doing is in 32 days, they're doing Femalian Cosmic Crush. 32 days, 3 hours, and 59 seconds uh, will be the next live stream. Um, but yeah, it was really neat. I, I was really into checking it out when I could. I, I think I watched some of the Necropolis. Did they, did they film that one yet? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think they did film that one because the world premiere is November 8th on Necropolis. Uh, so the first one that they finished and had edited and ready to go is Ouija's Halloween Night. And I got a screener for it. Uh, it It is a <laughs> it is a film that is set on Halloween. Uh, it opens up in 1978. Um you get a quick little clip there, and then it flashes forward to present day Halloween night. Uh, a couple of smoking hot girls are like renting a hotel, um, or they like know somebody who uh, is, you know, I don't know what. I don't think they say why it's not open for the night, but they decide to throw a huge Halloween party in there, and they play this Ouija, Ouija board. <clears throat> And what? it summons a weed G board. Yes, a weed G board. <laughs> um, and awesome. it basically summons these. I want to say there's four, basically ghoulies. They they're fucking ghoulies. Um, just 
weed inspired ones there's like a rocker one there's a ripoff goalie one uh the female one has like a boa constrictor tail and it looks just it reminds me of the female gremlin from the first gremlins and then there's like a weed wolf one that rides a bike and uh essentially they are you know attacking this party and it's up to the three girls to like put them back in the ouija board or you know they're banished to the nether realm um first thing i'll say production value seems way higher than any i haven't i haven't watched full moon in in a couple of years like when we first started uh doing the podcast i would watch like every new full moon movie i used to buy them during the sales and stuff like that um so like 2010 to like 13 like any new full moon movie that came out i would check out but i haven't watched a full moon movie in years um that's because i think most of the new ones like i mean they they are putting physical copies of them out but some of them are like streaming only or some shit too yeah i don't know um but you know watching you know this one I, i was like wow man it feels like full moon is actually sort of up their budget from the stuff like that was coming out but like i remember like when doll graveyard came out like i remember watching that one um some of the later killjoys and stuff like that but uh and the evil bong films like the first three i I watched the first three of those but all those fake fucking vhs boxes band was selling (laughs) yeah right Uh, so it actually looks like it has some production value like they have some most likely either stock footage or or you know uh, no way stock footage in a fucking full moon movie no way i mean but it doesn't look like stuff it's definitely new newly shot but i don't know where the hell they got it i I doubt they filmed in las vegas themselves Hmm. um but there's there's some green screen vegas stuff in there too but i think there is a couple on location stuff too um and the the puppeteering is pretty good like these these ouijis look pretty cool um they remind me exactly of like ghoulies dude like it's it's funny uh, they feel like ghoulies. Um, I will say this. The the biggest issue I had with this film is, one, no nudity. And it felt like there was going to be nudity. I was just like, what? This sucks. Like, there's no nudity in this? Um, and then, two, like, I just felt like there was no kills or no type of... Uh, no type of... It just didn't have, like, any murders or anything. It didn't like, have any horror to it? That, <laughs> yeah there was there was like little horror and it, and it made me a little bummed because i liked the ouijis they were cool uh but it had no horrors uh, and it had no horror what a weird yeah. movie what a weird one and the um the uh cold duder has a cameo in it as well well i'll play the part of jeremy fuck that homo <laughs> cool duder yeah um but I just think that it was a little weak on the um, the the horror, dude. Like it, it sucked because it could have been cool. Like I would have liked to see. I, honestly, like I liked the movie. It was it was actually shot like decently, and like the sound was good. The effects were pretty good. Good practicals. Um, you know, it's a little monsters movie, but it just didn't have the horror there. Um, and I will say that the and sort of had a nice little um oh that's another thing the guy the damn um like art 
title sequences and and end credits and stuff were really good like like really cool uh like animated almost not animated like a cartoon but just like cool graphic design basically uh and that was cool and they gave a really really cool like rest in peace to john carl buchler at the end and had him with the ghoulies so that even makes me think more that it's inspired like it's just capitalized like basically charles band doesn't own the rights to ghoulies so he's like damn it i'm gonna make my ghoulies no matter what (laughs) just gonna add weed to him um who actually has the rights to that because i mean empire was was it was that an empire film mgm 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 owns like all the empire stuff yeah that's right because yeah they're all distributed through them that's right um but yeah so it was it wasn't great it had mad potential though that's what's disappointing about it uh but it was entertaining enough i was very shocked by just the production value being like much higher for a full moon film uh so i would probably give it like a five out of ten um but it you know i don't think i rate very many full moon films high anyway uh definitely worth a watch if you like full moon and the world premiere is actually just in like three days so by the by the time this episode's live outside of the Patreon, um, it'll be out. I think if you were watching more of the newer Full Moon films, you'd realize that a lot of them don't really have like a lot of horror. They really play them as comedies now. That sucks. <laughs> like a lot of them are like mostly. Con- it's I know it's kind of frustrating because you know Full Moon in the '90s and shit actually was was horror. Yeah, early 2000s. Well, I'm hoping, stuff. like, I mean, subspecies looks at least horror. So, well, I mean, but it, it's kind of cool. Be. You could click on each one here, like, um, but oh, they but, shot they shot the blade one already. See, I can see the well, the blade. I mean, those ones will be subspecies. I mean, if they play it as a comedy, that's going to just be ridiculous because the sub uh, subspecies franchise is pretty fucking pretty serious, right? It's pretty hoary. Okay, so Horry. that's pretty cool. They, pretty hard shot. <laughs> Robert Horry. Yeah. <laughs> they shot the Blade one. That's always been kind of my gripe uh, with these later new full moon films. They're super, super low budget, most of them, and they're just filled with like really cheesy comedy. It's kind of a shame. Oh, in case you were wondering, in 153 days, 1 hour, 52 minutes, and 48 seconds, <laughs> you'll be able to watch the Subspecies 5 shooting in March of 2020 in Albania. And that so. time won't be precise when this uh, is when it's able to listen. Or for the fans, when you guys are listening. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Um, I was talking to you, Mike. Yeah. But that's kind of cool. I mean, I think that's actually a pretty cool premise. It was man. a great idea, man. Yeah. It was, I wish we would have like talked about. I don't think we were doing. Sh- I don't think we were doing shows when they started showing. I think we talked about them talking <laughs> about doing it when they announced they were going to do it. But I think, I so, think yeah. we weren't doing shows whenever they started doing it. But yeah, it was cool, man. I was like, that's that's a cool little thing, and I'm excited for the films they got coming up. There's. There's some fun full moon ones. Well, if there's cool sequels, I mean, if you can never give full moon props for one thing, it's for being kind of creative with, you know, their, the way they sell their products. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's really inviting. Even if the movie does suck, I mean, watching it live and kind of, you know, the production and stuff, I think that's really interesting. And they're the first to do it. Got to give Charles, yeah. man, man, he's always innovating shit, man, even though he's a crook, but he, uh, he definitely knows how <laughs> to sell shit. Charlie well, Band alone. Yeah. Oh, fuck. 
So. All right, that was mine. Mike. All right, so my first one is something that's kind of out of the norm for me to go see. Uh, it's it's a kids movie. I went to take my kids to Adam's family. So anyone that knows me, uh, I am the worst parent when it comes to like watching kids stuff with <laughs> my kids. Whatever they want to watch, I'll let them watch as far as kids movies. I'll usually set it up like in like a different room for me. I I, I can't I, I can't do it like for most stuff where you just I'm not one of those parents that can just sit down and watch like kitty stuff. I, I tune out. I get bored. I, I can physically be there. It doesn't like send me out of the room but i usually don't do it but um they have uh i think these are amazon fire tablets and the adams family movies were like, like advertisements for those were just popping up on every little thing they did so my oldest was like hey i want to go see this and something i was like well i, I think i can be down with that because you know i like adams family i like the movies and I haven't seen a ton of the show, but, you know, from what I've seen in syndication, I've always liked it. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, we'll, we'll do that. And then my – because my oldest one wanted to go, my youngest one, of course, chimes in. She's like, hey, I want to go too. All right. It's going to cost more to go with all of us, but I'll, I'll do it. And, I, you know, I ended up liking it okay. It's, it's not something I would have seen if I didn't have kids. I, I don't think I would have found myself in the theater to watch an animated Adams Family movie. But you know, it it was it was fun for what it was. Uh, it's kind of like a, an origin story to how they got to America. They were kind of driven out by like the townsfolks of uh, I don't even remember what country of origin they were, but they got driven out. And you know, it the movie really or this animated movie it really came off as like a huge allegory just for like accepting and being open to people that are different than you, which you know is obviously kind of like a a timely message in in modern times it was laid on pretty thick i mean probably for my kids they you know my oldest is only going to be eight in january so i'm sure she wasn't like taking notes like oh that's that's a good message there for adults it was laid on thick enough to where it was obvious that that's what they were going for with the story but you know it had a lot of those adams family tropes of them being like weirdos and they were, you know, trying to fit in with just like quote unquote normal society, and of course they get judged harshly at first, and then people, oh, that you know, they're a little different from us, but they're good neighbors and they have good qualities and all that kind of stuff. So overall, it was uh, it was fun. Um, I, you know, I don't regret I regret going. I was I was able to stay focused on it the whole time. I, half the time I was kind of watching them to see what their reactions were because. My oldest, it's only the second time she's been to the movie theater, and my youngest, it was her first time going. So, you know, I was kind of split between watching the movie and watching their reactions. I think it actually made, like, a good amount of money. I think the last time I checked, it was, like, up to 30-something million, and they already said they're probably going to – I think a sequel's coming next year. So yeah, they I already end up seeing another sequel. one. Yeah, so, it yeah, it made a decent chunk of change. Like, I – you know, it is a kids animated movie. But I wasn't sure if like the Adams family held enough weight with, you know, kids these days that they would care. But maybe just the advertising, you know, it looks goofy enough when they're watching commercials of it. So maybe they just were interested, or maybe, you know, adults that are familiar with the Adams family were more willing to take the family to it. What either way though, it, it was for what it was. It was good. Um, it was entertaining. So, yeah. 
The Adams Family. I'm surprised it took him that long to do an animated film. I am surprised too. I mean, if if you kind of like Google the Adams Family, it's it's funny because like through the years you've seen like obviously they did the movies like the big budget ones, but there's been like like multiple different like straight to TV just awful like low budget. Mm-hmm. garbage fests and they they every it's like every so often they pop up with like another um adaption of the adams family but uh i thought this one was pretty solid for a kids movie so i you know if if any i'm sure you know a decent amount of your listeners have kids so uh it, it's definitely something i would recommend taking them to yeah it's, that's just the way animated kids films are now man they're not just for kids they're the themes are always for adults to understand because I mean, let's face it. How how do the kids get to the cinema? Their parents, and mm-hmm. they're, they're, it's aimed at you know that age group of your ch- your children too, right? So usually you're going to take them in, and they make the film so adults can appreciate them too, right? I mean, yeah, that's what I kind of like about like the Hotel Transylvania film stuff. Like you know, I've got a kid that's nine too, so I've seen all these movies, and you know, like there's a lot of jokes for adults in there. You know, they poke at stuff, and kids will never get it. Yeah, a lot of humor that they just wouldn't understand the punchlines or even the setups where you like you and me would see them coming a mile away, but for them it's like a brand new joke too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I've I've seen I was never into those movies before. I had a child, and you know, I've seen a lot of movies, and I I, I kind of gained an appreciation for them. You know, I mean, they just make them better than they used to though, too, because you know they they throw in these adult themes too and stuff, and I like that. You know, plus the animation is like amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with like how it looked, uh, and there was a lot of. What I liked about this is like if you if you look at the IMDb IMDb page for the voice casting, there's a lot of celebrities. But when I was watching, because uh, other than the Snoop Dogg one, that obviously stands out. But Snoop was in that. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, he. It was more his song because he was technically he was listed as a cousin it. Um, what really? <laughs> yeah, but, but but cousin it comes driving up playing like drop it like it's hot in like a little regular <laughs> car. So oh. obviously that was is just too on the nose that you're not going to not notice that. But for the most part, like it took me a while to not that I was trying to recognize them, but it took me a while to even realize some of the voices were those celebrities. Like it. It wasn't like a, for example, it wasn't like a Mike Myers doing Shrek where it's just totally obvious it's Mike Myers mm-hmm. doing that. Like Charlize Theron played uh, or played did the voice for Morticia Adams. I didn't immediately recognize her. Um, Nick Kroll, because uh, Nick Kroll really kind of did Uncle Fester. Like a, you could, it wasn't just like his regular speaking voice. He really yeah. and once you once you realized it was him, you could okay, yeah, that's Nick Kroll, but because he was kind of doing such an over-the-top voice. But, yeah, there's a bunch in here. So, But anyways, overall, yeah, I would recommend it for family. If you don't have kids, yeah, there, I, I wouldn't say there's a reason to run out and see it. Maybe if you know once it hits Netflix or VOD and you're kind of curious about just being a fan of the Addams Family, I would say, yeah, check it out. Yeah. That's cool. All right, man. So first film up tonight for myself is a Patreon pick from – Aaron, I, it always makes me laugh. Just it's just Aaron. Did, did Mike rate that, by the way? I don't know. Mike, uh, I rate it K for kids. K for kids. Uh, <laughs> we, we, for our ratings page. Uh, I will say, you know, I mean, 
as an adult trying to rate, I'll, I would say I'll give it like a six. I mean, my kids would probably rate it higher, so yeah. that's meaningless for the show. But you know, it's it's kind of like a little hard just because it's adult lens you know, for did, kids. Six movie, is but. fine. Okay, um, yeah. So first up, Patreon pick uh, from Aaron from 2019, and it is called Hunt. Uh, this is a film I actually just reviewed on Fresh Cuts a couple weeks back, I think. Um, I even made a, a joke about that, too, how that day I noticed that it came up on our Google Patreon page. I was like, oh, i got to review this on 22 Shots. So, Haunt. It's been getting a lot of buzz. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of one of the more standout kind of clown killer clown type films that's out this year. There's so fucking many of them. There's like a million killer clown films this year. It's just insane. Of course, in the light of the new It film dropping, that's just the way shit works nowadays. So this film actually takes place on Halloween. And, you know, it's about a bunch of people that end up at this haunt kind of deal. The movie starts out with uh, our main character, Harper. Um, you know, she's kind of in her in her dorm and stuff. And she's obviously having some relationship issues with her boyfriend. Her friend kind of walks in and sees her cu- putting some cover up on her face. So she's obviously been like physically abused and stuff and really not in the mood to go out for Halloween. So, you know, they ultimately change her mind kind of. They drag her out to this Halloween party that I will say doesn't really feel like a Halloween party besides people in costumes. But that was one thing that we did talk about the aesthetic of the film even though it's set on Halloween really doesn't feel like a film that was set on Halloween. It doesn't have a great Halloween aesthetic. So it's kind of disappointing uh, for myself right there. But anyway, she gets brought out to this party. Um, They stay there for a little while. Some shit happens. They decide that they want to go find a haunt and they end up at this, uh, this particular one where it's kind of set up like, like an escape room type deal. They make their way into there and then, you know, shit kind of goes haywire. So, um, my thoughts on the movie, you know, it's pretty standardized, you know, for the first couple acts. Again, what we talked about, it's the first couple acts are very filled with like just those type of tropes where you're like, fuck, man, like really like you're still going to do this type of shit today. It's just they're just so obvious and things like that. But it's actually a pretty entertaining watch. I mean, the characters, none of the characters are really that stand out in this. They're all kind of standardized characters and stuff. You know, you've got the funny guy, you've got the pretty girl, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on and on. Very tropey. Um, but the kills aren't too bad. Like there's a couple that are kind of notable in this mostly practical mixed with a little bit of CG and stuff. And you know, the first two thirds are, like I said, pretty standard stuff, man. It's them kind of going through this maze. And I will say the haunt itself is kind of cool, but it was missing that Halloween aesthetic. I was hoping to have more of a Halloween feel in the haunt than just, you know, guys in, in clown masks and things like that. And, you know, some of the rooms and some of the ideas were actually kind of cool where they got to go through this, like this casket with this trap door to get into this next part. And, and it's not full blown escape room where they're, they're being timed and shit, but they do have to figure out their way through this kind of thing. And then, you know, halfway through it, they figure out that, uh, you know, they're obviously being hunted essentially. Um, so the first two thirds are pretty standard and then it, it kind of picks up towards the end. The end of the film is actually where it shines a little bit more. You get some better kills, a little bit more decent action and stuff. And the very end of the film, you kind of really have to extend your mind a little bit. Cause the very end of the film is a little bit ridiculous, kind of entertaining and stuff. Um, but there is a lot of problems with the movie too. Um, with just certain aspects of, you know, the haunt itself and who's doing the killings and why, uh, nothing is really explained too well. It's very ambiguous when it comes to that, which I think in this movie would have been nice to get some type of story, um, because it just kind of, it feels very empty at that point. 
Um, and then there's another aspect of like, you know, the haunt where, you know, these people are haunting you or hunting you based on your, your fears and things like that. And again, things that aren't explained, which is a little bit frustrating too, because when you put that into perspective, into the narrative, it's kind of frustrating because you're like, well, how the fuck did they know what this person's, you know, um, fears were and shit like that. Uh, even though one of the scenes actually, uh, you know, depicting this certain character's, uh, f- you know, biggest fear actually is probably the coolest scene in the whole film for myself anyways. But still, it doesn't, re- it kind of lacks sense. It's very nonsensical when it comes to that type of shit. And there's actually a part with, you know, which I think going into this film, you know, Harper's boyfriend, because right at the beginning of the film, like he's, he seems like he's going to be involved in this film a little bit more, you know, with the, you know, with the, um, the abuse and things like that and throwing pumpkins at their place and her friend trying to break up with her, all this type of stuff. But he doesn't really play a huge factor in this. It's actually a really strange scene where they're driving to this haunt and he's quite clearly there and he disappears and things like that. So there's definitely problems with this film. It's, it's entertaining for what it is. You know, it definitely has some highlight moments in it, but overall, man, I liked it the first time I watched it more than the second time when I rewatched it for fresh cuts. I was like, I don't know. Maybe it was just us talking about it. Cause when you review with venom, he goes scene by scene by scene and you really fucking break down things completely. And then you start to really realize even the points I was bringing up too were like, it's very nonsensical. And, and I don't mind like nightmare logic and stuff, but that doesn't apply to this type of film. It's a fucking haunt. So overall it's not a bad movie i wouldn't say it should be getting the hype it actually is getting because it's not really that great but i'm going to come in about a six out of ten on it it's still entertaining for what it is and you know like mikey said before you know if you can catch it on vod for cheap and shit which actually was a joke on fresh cuts also because venom said it was like seven bucks to rent was that right mike Mm -hmm. like it was just like that yeah yeah like the movie don't rent it for that type of price it's not that type of movie um, in my opinion, you know, if you trust my opinion, then whatever. If you don't, then go fucking watch it. You know, go blow your money. But uh, it's okay for what it is. It's all right. I just think that it could have been a lot better for what it was. So, but yeah, it's funny because that episode kind of. You remember we ended up almost talking about candy corn half the time, and I think I think I like candy corn a little bit more. Yeah, man. Well, that was and, that- a, lot, and a lot of people are the opposite. But 100%, 100%. Well, I think like this is what we discussed and we actually kind of joked about it. We finished the haunt review and I was like, well, so are we going to finish the candy corn review now? (laughs) (laughs) It was funny because we like pretty much got into it also. But but it it comes back to that old argument about, you know, haunt is quite clearly a better made movie. It's probably got better acting in it that, you know, the it's shot way better. You know, just the sets, the the sets are better. You know, the atmosphere is really good in haunt, too. Like there's certain aspects of the filmmaking that are actually pretty good. And then you got Candy Corn, which is, you know, the narrative is pretty standard stuff and it's not shot as well. It's not acted as well. It's got decent kills, but it's way more entertaining for what it is. And I would probably take Candy Corn over Haunt anytime. Yeah, like I could tell out of the two, like I would like I'm already more interested to revisit Candy Corn. It's a smaller film in scope, but I feel like they did a better job with what they had to work with. Yeah, it's, you know, that example, again, of, of of a film being way more higher budget like Haunt is. Uh, Haunt was actually produced by Eli Roth, too. So it did have a lot of production value, um, just not like the greatest narrative, I guess. But, you know, and you got Candy Corn, which is more of like, it's more of a higher budget indie film, really. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of money into it, but it's not like super high indie film type stuff. But it's not like shoestring budget either. Yeah, it's, it's indie, but it felt like they were competent and... Yeah, in their ability to make a movie, you know. Well, that was that was the thing about that movie too, because 
Candy Corn's funny because it actually has Tony Todd in a cameo, which is pretty minor. He doesn't really do a whole lot. And it's got PJ Souls, of course, from Halloween's in it and things like that. And But I don't really remember them billing them top names on it either. They're just kind of there. I... I had completely forgotten or never even knew in the first place. I, the main thing I knew about Candy Corn Corners is I, I'd seen the poster so many times mm-hmm. just from other people posting about it. And I knew it kind of was like a Halloween season type movie that was new. So that's kind of what made me want to see it. And then I, and then afterwards I was like, oh, Tony Todd's in it for like a scene. Oh, there's PJ Souls. Eh, whatever. Like to me, the, some people were like irked by the fact that you know, Tony Todd didn't have a bigger role, but throughout the movie, I, I just didn't care. I was, I liked the other stuff. So no, I didn't mind that at all. Actually, Courtney Gaines, of course, from, you know, children, of the corn fame, uh, uh-huh. I think he's Malachi and, uh, everybody knows the ginger kid, but, uh, he's actually pretty good in it. He plays the sheriff in that film. And I don't know, it's just a way better. It's, it's, I wouldn't say better. It's just a more entertaining film. If you had to rate haunt, Mike, what would you actually give it as a rating? Oh fuck, haunt! You know, I, shit. I I would probably say like between like five and a six, somewhere in there. It. I thought there was a lot of there was good elements to it, mm. but I mean, pretty much everything you said because we we all kind of agree. I think Venom liked haunt a little more than us. Yeah, but generally, what you said, I agree with. There, there was good aspects of it, but mm-hmm. it missed the boat on stuff too, and. A movie like that, I don't think, should lead certain things to mystery that it does. There was no reason to not give us a little well, bit more that, explanation. That, come, that come, came back to my whole thing, man, about you know the narrative and stuff. Like This is the type of film that would have been kind of nice because it feels so empty you know, when you don't have those explanations. And just it, there's there's kind of – there's nonsense bullshit in it too where – you know, you got the fucking boyfriend with which we all agreed because I think Venom asked the question. He's like, wasn't that the boyfriend's truck behind them when they find the haunt? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, where did he go? And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's just it's bad writing because because yeah. you're kind of thinking, you know, this film's going to go one way and it completely fucking doesn't. And then by the end of the film, you think back on what you just watched and you're like, well, that was really ridiculously and ridiculous and pointless. Right. Yeah. Like there's just so many things like that in this movie. and You're like, man, the script could have been so much better. So much better. I, to me, it's a little bit of a miss, but it's at this point, it's popcorn shit. <laughs> really, you can watch this without paying attention and still have a minute, you know, minute fun with it. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like people, even today, I've seen. Oh, I gotta fucking watch Hunt, man. I've been hearing so much good things about it. I'm like, holy shit, fuck are these people? But it's all right. It's okay. So, anyways, that was uh, Hunt. <laughs> JP, back to you. Yeah, like Hunt and Candy Corn. And again, I think candy they go hand in hand. Yeah. All right. So uh, next up for me, last up for me is a Patreon pick from Jellybane, I believe. Yeah. And this film is spit it out. Calif- California with a K. Yeah, the one with Brad Pitt. Um. Yep. Have you seen it? Yeah, I actually own it. Have you seen it, Mike? I, uh, no, I haven't. I don't think I've hmm. seen it probably since the t- the days where it came out on uh, fucking DVD. <laughs> it's been a long came time. out in uh, 1993. I've like never even heard of it, honestly. Yeah. Um, when I got it, I was like, since I never heard of it, I thought it was going to be like not fucking horror at all, like an action movie or something. But it's it's a thriller with like you know serial killing so mm-hmm. it fits um 
Yeah, it basically follows uh, a young journalist who is um, a graduate student, and he wants to pursue his career, and he wants to do a book based on serial killers. And him and his girlfriend decide that they want to move to California to get their life going, um, and he basically plots a road trip to go and sort of... Um, I guess, you know, spot these serial killer plots, you know, famous killer areas during the trip. Um, and to sort of cut costs, he decides, hey, he can post a um, ride share on the university campus uh, board. And he attracts the attention of a psychopath named Early, played by Brad Pitt. Uh, the, the journalist is David Duchovny. Um, and yeah, the, um, Brad Pitt plays early grace who is a psychopath, um, which is kind of interesting, honestly. Like I'm surprised more people don't talk about this film cause it's a, it's a, and it's not the first time he kind of played like, yeah, yep. I actually have seen it. Sorry. I thought you said something else. California, <clears throat> right? As soon as, yeah. as soon as you said all the people in it, yeah, where he has <laughs> he playing the guy that's like he's what is he like writing about serial killers or something like that? And they're yep, yeah, yeah, okay. I always feel like yeah. this was the movie that got Juliette Lewis the part in Natural Born Killers for some odd reason. <laughs> I always just kind of related yep. this movie to that. I don't know. Yeah, and Juliette Lewis plays his uh, girlfriend, Brad Pitt's girlfriend. Uh, she's like a developmentally delayed that's how they have it written here on wikipedia which is probably a good way to say it uh girlfriend yeah she's like not the brightest bulb in the where are bulbs kept tree <laughs> brightest bulb in the strand of lights um <laughs> brightest bulb in the lamp brightest bulb in the shed <laughs> i when i saw it because i think we actually did this on our uh, theme warriors not too long ago i wasn't i wasn't sure if she came off as developing developmentally disabled to me or just like uber white trashy and looking to get out of like a bad situation uh, and brad pitt was like the first not. dude to come along she's definitely has some i mean she might have just been she's dumb not for sure i think i remember her being a little bit slow in this yeah yeah uh, but they join the ride share and uh so this guy it's kind of ironic because this guy's looking for serial killers the history of them meanwhile brad pitt is like killing people along the journey um yeah <laughs> and he he, play, he plays a really interesting character because um he's not like a serial killer that's like oh like i'm you know fucking jeffrey dahmer or something you know what i mean he's like he's just a bad guy oh, so like, he's just he doesn't bad, eat penises in this movie no, he's yeah, uh he doesn't just have like a, a he doesn't have an MO or any type of mission statement. He just like literally Well no, he does though. He does. He 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 kills people sometimes for personal gain. Like um he there's a scene where he <clears throat> needs money. So he sees a guy have some money and he goes in the bathroom and kills him and takes the money. So yeah, he does he's just like a bad dude. Like he you know, he doesn't he just doesn't care about you know, he's a sociopath essentially. He doesn't care about other people. Um and I believe even David Duchovny's character um, 
because he narrates certain parts of the film, which is really interesting. And he says that he's fascinated by early and even sort of almost looks up to him in a weird way, looks up to the fact that he does whatever he wants, whenever he wants and doesn't think about um, anybody else, but doing what he wants. And this becomes clear when they're at a bar and some dude starts mouthing off to him and he's just like, hits him with a bottle and it just you know, instantaneously uh and it all sort of you know unravels in the end and you know it probably goes where you think it goes um i think this movie is really cool it's it's a uh it bombed at the box office it like ha- it made 2.4 million dollars on an 8.5 million dollar budget i don't get that man i mean david and company um, at the I time was super the popular time, the time period I think that yeah, he's from the X Files, right? Yeah, and the and the show was like uber popular. Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt. What think, year did the X Files start? Juliet Lewis. It? I don't yeah, think was be- Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt in ninety three. Yeah, this was like when he first when started it, making the heartthrob transition to like actual serious roles. But it, I think it was still early. <clears throat> it was early, but he, I mean, by ninety, Brad Pitt was still. Yeah, no, he had been. I mean, fuck, man, he was interviewed the vampire a couple years before. Fucking oh, after. Was it after? Yeah, year after. Ninety four. Right? Oh yeah, I was thinking it was yeah. ninety two. Yeah. yeah. So okay. this then, is he. Yeah. He did. He did like a river run. Cutting class in eighty nine. He did across the tracks. Thelma and Louise. Um, the tiny then, ass part in True Romance as a stoner. That was after. I thought that was like ninety one or two. It's ninety three. Oh 93. shit! This okay. came out ninety three as well. Um. Yeah, I mean, he really had. Yeah, he wasn't Brad Pitt yet, bro. Definitely not. You look at the filmography, he was barely in anything. It's Bradley. Um, he was Bradley. <laughs> Brad, Bradley Pitt. Yeah, maybe. Shit. I don't know. I haven't really... Uh, I would I... say after this, you figure after this, Interview with the Vampire, Legends of the Fall, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, Sleepers, uh, Fight Club. Yeah, I think that it t- t- I think it's right after this. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I think that it was Art House... Um, it's definitely art house. It, it seemed when you look back at the early nineties, right? Like 90, 91, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96. Um, the festival films, like this was one of them. And, uh, I just think that those didn't do well commercially, but they, they, wow, this one best horror film, uh, in 1994, mm. uh, by who though? Saturn Awards for best horror film, huh? Oh, yeah, I wonder right. what the other. I wonder what the other nominees were. Does it say horror film? Uh, what the f- that that's how fuck. In what year? Ninety two or ninety three? Do you say ninety three? Or well, but it came out in ninety three festival wise, but ninety four for the Saturn Awards. Let's yeah. see. Uh, ninety four, the nominees were the Dark Half. Okay. Okay. Army of Darkness. Uh-huh. The Good Son. Which is a thriller. Hard target. Hard target. Needful things. Needful things and the vanishing. Well, how the fuck is hard target a horror movie? It's like a fucking Van Van Damme on the run. That doesn't make. It's like a John Woo movie, I think. Like one of John Woo's first American movies. Hard target. He's got the greatest mullet in that movie too, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is a Saturn Award, well, so maybe at, they stretch it. Pupil, at Pupil won in 1998. <laughs> apt Pupil? That's another yeah. Stephen King story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, I haven't. What are the Saturn? 
Oh, this is kind of cool. It's like an indie, never really, indie awards type thing. I yeah, think. I never really looked at these, but it's cool oh. to see him with all. Like, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt did. Uh, that's right, he was Johnny Slade. Fuck, that was before that, too. What year was Black- cool? what Blackula year was- won in 1972? How about that? What year was fucking uh, Cool World? Because he was in that, too. Yeah, that was 92. That was the same year that he did um, uh, A River Runs Through It, which I, uh-huh. remember, I remember from that, too. So he was starting to gain steam for sure. Yeah, he was around, but yeah. I think like he was what, seven kind of interview with the vampire. Maybe no, I, seven kind of put him on that role. I gotta say, man, it's it's gotta be Fight interview club. with the vampire is probably Fight like a, like a huge man. break. Well, no, interview was probably a huge breakout role for him. For yeah, sure. interview for sure. And then seven, and then twelve monkey. Yeah, and then his his career just went. He was in massive films, but yeah, a river runs through it, man. That's a pretty good movie. So it's good anyway, um, I actually really like this movie. I, I don't think it's. I think that it kind of goes a little downhill towards the final act. It's still good, but I'm I much more like the um, psychological aspects of the beginning because you sort of have this, um, like the girlfriend of David Duchovny knows that something like she gets a bad vibe from him, um, but. David Duchovny sort of likes Brad Pitt in a weird way. Um, you know, the, there's talks that Brad Pitt's abusing Juliette Lewis, and the girl really doesn't like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty I thought, good. I gave it good. Oh, I was gonna say I thought David Duchovny's kind of the whole story about his fascination with Brad Pitt's character, at least through like the first two acts before. Like he even becomes too much for him too, but I thought that was like pretty cool and interesting. Where it's almost like he's he knows there's he's knows there's probably some bad news going on there, but he's almost like willing to let it slide until it becomes like too much of a problem. But the yeah, warning signs much. are there. Mm-hmm. So I will say that I give it a seven and a half out of ten. Go, cool. Mikey. All right, so uh, I also watched a movie called Little Monsters, not the Fred Savage movie. This is a Hulu original. That would have went um, perfect with your uh, animated Adam Family movie. Yeah, I know, really. <laughs> <laughs> I love Little Monsters, man. Yeah, that was a childhood, like a regular rotation. Who pissed, who pissed in my apple juice? <laughs> who pissed in my didn't they put cat food in a sandwich cat too? food instead of tuna yeah <laughs> uh so this one's a hulu original um it's it's been there's been ads for it you know on social media and stuff I'm, I'm assuming you guys know the movie i'm talking about right this year mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's uh lupita is in this one uh we should all recognize her uh i think most of the rest of the cast is not anyone i know but basically the setup is uh she plays like a teacher slash you know musician and they take the kids to um sometimes it's not really like a summer camp it's more like a field trip and uh a zombie outbreak happens uh now here's another i know we, we kind of talked about this earlier in in the news i was but I I think this is another case of a movie where like the trailer the trailer really made it seem like it was gonna be like this over the top crazy zombie movie and there is like you know a handful of stuff going on with the zombies they're there but uh, to me this movie seemed much more like comedy with zombies 
kind of in it than really like a zombie movie. I think one of the things that's a detriment to this movie, at least the kind of movie I was hoping for, was they spend way too much time on like this totally forced romance between so you have a uh, lucadish she plays like the teacher of course she's like you know the perfect woman character and there's like there's the main guy in it he at the very beginning of the movie and it's weird too because at the very beginning of the movie he goes through like a breakup and that whole sequence takes so long that i almost thought i was watching the wrong movie i was like what the hell like why are they spending so much time so it basically sets it up to where he of course, you know, gets with her, but they, they do the whole thing where like when they first meet their opposites, he's like, you know, this, this kind of idiot dummy that never knew how to treat past girlfriends. Right. She's like the perfect catch and they don't like each other at first. And, you know, the more she spends time with him, the more she sees the good qualities. And then there's like a scene later on where he sings a song and, as soon as the camera goes to her, I was like, oh, my God, they're not doing the thing where she falls in love with him after knowing him for a day, are they? That shit, that shit gives me anxiety because it's so unrealistic. Like, it, it bugs me when movies do that. But, you know, that's what this is. That's what this movie did. They To me, the movie is OK. It's all right. Um, I but I think if, if people are going into it expecting like this crazy over the top carnage movie with zombie stuff going on all the time that's that's not it i think the only person i've talked to that's actually seen it so far that i know of is a gary hill and i think he liked it a little bit more than me but i when i told him like my criticisms of it he kind of agreed so if i had to rate this you know i unfortunately i'm gonna say like a five because if i don't think it's a bad movie it's it's not poorly made it's but it's not really it's not really my kind of zombie 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 comedy movie um and uh i I, you know i for for most of the people i say with i would say you know if this is on your list of stuff to watch kind of wait on it watch other stuff first and get around to this one later i'm not gonna lie man i was actually gonna watch this the other night and i read the synopsis and it was like Ah, nice. The washed-up musician, musician teams up with a teacher and uh, kids show personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck, it's a zombie movie? <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a little monster movie. And then I, I looked at the top and it was like comedy first before horror. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Completely yeah, passed like, on it. There's like plenty of opportunities and scenes in this movie where you think it's going to turn over that leaf and be like, okay, here, here we go. And it just doesn't happen. And it's like, I don't know. That, that's why it just was to me. The movie first and foremost is about their relationship happening, and that's why I was just like, man, why does it? Why does this movie have to be this? But you know, that's fine. Not you know, movies. Not every movie is going to be for me, so that's cool. But if like what I described appeals to anyone, I would go ahead and check it out. It's not a poorly made movie or anything like that. Uh, the acting. It's fine. Lupita's great. She she's been. I haven't seen her in tons of things, but everything she's been in, she's been good. So it's nothing about that. It's just I was just kind of disappointed that it was more comedy and romance and like well, I would say ham-fisted romance, unrealistic romance. But most romantic comedies are that probably anyway. So yeah, yeah. I, did, I just I just don't have time for 
zomcoms anymore for some reason. Unless they're, you know, one kind of the dead, I guess, was pretty, like, it was really good. You know, but it just seems like there's so many misses compared to hits yeah. in the zomcoms genre. And, like, I mean, they don't make as many anymore. Like, you can tell the, the zombie genre is really kind of fucking slowed down, like, drastically uh-huh. from, like, you know, what was it, like, the start of the 2010s, like, into the mid 2000s? It, it was fucking crazy, man. It was, like, zombie movies coming out left and right every week. A lot of Zomcoms, a lot of shitty ones. And he just got so played out. It was, like, you know, found footage oversaturated the market. Then it was oversaturated with fucking zombies. And I think, honestly, it's because, you know, what I think is happening is that The Walking Dead is losing so much steam. And so many people are just, like, fed up with it. It's gone on way too fucking long. And they're just not making them anymore. Because I think once that lost steam, it was, like, nope. We got to go do They're something so else. Fed up with it. They're so fed up with it. They're making a second spinoff show early 2020. I don't get it, dude. Like, I don't know how these things still have that much. Ugh, I don't know, man. And they're making movies. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. But I mean, anyway. I, I may, maybe they're running the numbers and it's still successful enough. Well, I mean, lo and behold, like even this year, like I don't think I've really watched more than one or two. I think the only Zomcom I've even seen this year was One Cut of the Dead. Yeah, I, I well, want- it's it's like all these people see Shaun of the Dead and they take the wrong lessons from it. Because, I mean, Shaun of the Dead, he has the breakup and obviously he wants to still get with her. But his his trying to get back with her doesn't feel like it's the main plot of the movie. You know, that's mm. kind of going on in the background. But it does such a good job of being – I mean, yes, it it is funny. It's a lot of comedy in it. But it feels like it's still like a zombie movie and then the other stuff is just kind of like side stuff. But then little little monsters, it feels like the entire movie is just a device for these two characters to have their romance or their falling in love thing. And I'm just like, man. And then oh, the last scene, I won't even get into it, but I was just like pissed off. I was like, man, the hell with this. Yeah, out of that, uh, <clears throat> out of that trilogy, man, that's my least favorite one for sure. Shaun of the Dead. Oh, man. I think most people know my feelings. I'm the hugest fan of it. So it's like it's that fucking movie it, it even like when you're describing this movie it, it relates back to the it become that staple film in the 2000s that everything has to be compared to well yeah it's the same thing like totally unrelated to zombie zombie comedies but like the way how scream was such a success and everything had to follow that prototype and most people did a, not nearly as good mm-hmm yeah yeah i agree man little monsters though that's uh it kind of Stole that yeah, awesome yeah. title from a Fred Savage movie. Come on. I know. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, well. Now I, now I actually want to watch that movie. Did they the, ever the Fred that? Savage one? Did they ever release that on Blu-ray? I'm not even sure because I know the DVD was out of print forever. It was like hard to find. I don't know. Uh, that's a good Fuck. question. That's, that's annoying. Um, but yeah, now I really want to watch Little Monsters. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving along here, man. Not a Patreon pick, um, but one that I watched the other night. I just felt like I had to talk about this because I was absolutely fucking dying laughing during this movie. Not necessarily in a good way, but I was laughing pretty good. This is actually <laughs> so fucking... All right, it's from 2019, and it's called The Drone. I guess it was, you know, it was inevitable that somebody was going to make a movie about a killer drone. I mean... Everything else has been utilized. We watched a movie earlier this year, me and Mikey, called Killer Sofa. You know, this got to have the killer drone, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, this movie is about this serial killer that stalks his victims using a drone. Uh, this is the beginning of the film. And, um, of course, the police catch on to him. They track him down, and they shoot and kill him and stuff right by his drone. And he somehow transfers his soul into the drone. <laughs> 
Does that sound familiar? Of course it does, because that's fucking child's play. It's the same fucking <laughs> story, man. So, yeah, so this serial killer transfers his body into this, uh, or soul into this drone. Then we jump into our main narrative where this newlywed couple, they've just bought this house. She's like a architect, at home architect, and he's a uh, he's like a model photographer. And they're doing really well. They've got this really beautiful house and stuff. Anyways, as they're unpacking and stuff, the husband comes in. And he's like, hey, look, there's a drone on the front yard. And he's I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, of course, it's there because the backstory is with um, the serial killer is that his new wife that used to be her old boyfriend back in the day. And she got a restraining order because he was all in fucking saying blah, blah, blah. So, of course, this drone ends up at their place. And now the drone is stalking them, essentially trying to break him up with her by setting him up for murder and things like that. And it just goes crazy. Um, <laughs> so my thoughts on the movie. This is crazy. This movie in 2000. This has to be the most 90s feeling film I've ever seen besides a 90s movie. If that makes any sense. This is 2019. I don't know if they did this purposely or if this is like an inside joke, maybe to get people to, you know, kind of an inside joke. I don't know what the hell's going on here, but this movie has everything aesthetically wise, cinematography wise, acting, cheesy lines, the effects, the the shitty ass like you know, that kind of CG'd in like lightning bolt shit that would, you know, we see in the late eighties, early nineties and stuff. It's got that type of effects mm-hmm. to it. It's really fucking nineties. Like the whole thing. And, and, and it managed to keep that, that whole tone and that whole kind of feel nineties feel through the whole movie. I was like, how are they doing this? At times it felt like it was full moon, but then mixed with like a shitty ass nineties TV film and stuff. It was really strange how they managed to capture this. It was so funny. Like the dialogue was insanely cheesy. So many bad lines and stuff, but just the whole plot line of this, (laughs) this fucking drone, you know, of course the wife is like, there's something up with this drone. It keeps like coming alive and flying around the house all by itself. And so there's all these stupid scenes where the husband goes to the the electronic store and he's like, you know what? This, uh, I, you know, I was just moved into this house and I lost my remote for my drone. And, uh, you know, can you replace this? And he's like, Oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, shit like that is just fucking so stupid. Anyways, there's so many scenes in this film where the wife is like doing her, you know, doing her, uh, drawings and stuff. And this thing's like flying around. I'm like, how is she not fucking hearing this thing? Is it like stealth? It's like a stealth drone or some shit. Like you can't hear it or fucking apparently see it. It was just crazy to me, man. But so many ridiculous things, but just the fact that the way this, you know, this drone was setting someone up, it was all basically kind of computerized. Like, you know, the drone would go out and take pictures of the neighbors and upload it into the computer. And, and, you know, the drone ended up killing the neighbor and blah, blah, blah and stuff. And then he put all the evidence on his computer and emailed it to the fucking police. So of course he becomes like a prime suspect and it's just like all this ridiculousness, but then it gets even more stupid when the drone shows up at his brother's house and then, like, after, like, a minute conversation, he's like, brother, is that you? Oh, fuck, you want me? And then then they're sitting down, like, having fucking tea, pretty much. And he's like, yo, man, you got to help me get out of this shit. And I'm like, oh, my God, this movie is, like, not happening right now. It's ridiculous. It was entertaining, but so fucking bad. Like, it was super, super bad. And I felt bad, man. The drone killed this dog. And it was, like, it was kind of sad because I don't like when they kill dogs in movies, man. I got kind of, I got sad about it, man. I don't like that shit. Didn't, you didn't have to kill the fucking dog. Um, speaking of dogs, can you guys hear that? <laughs> yeah, someone yeah. trying to kill your dog? Yeah, fuck it. Apparently the wife just let out my three dogs and the bigger one, as you can hear. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, the movie was kind of... It's so stupid. If you like old full moon movies 
and you know like 90s feeling type films just really really uber cheesy and really cheesy effects like i just couldn't get over how this felt like it should have been made in the 90s it's crazy to me it's absolutely insane um you know i would i i can't really recommend it i mean i'm gonna give this movie like a four out of ten even though i kind of enjoyed it because it was kind of stupid and fun but it's just one you got to see to believe, man. Like, if you're a fan of 90s movies, like, I, I really enjoy watching 90s movies just for a lot of different reasons. But but it was crazy, the feel to this, man. It's actually from the same director that did Zombievers, but totally different type of film. Zombievers feels like it should have been made in the year it came out in 2014. This movie, made in 2019, no, should have came out in, like, 1996. It's really strange. Um, but, yeah, that's the drone. You know, I seen, uh, what was it, fucking Jason Lloyd actually had a little bit of a review on this one. I think he gave it like 7.25. And Jason, if you're listening, man, that's annoying as fuck. What's with the quarter ratings, man? Come on. Like, I, I really don't understand that. But in his little write-up, he said that this movie, you know, if it had better kills and, you know, the CG wasn't there and shit like that, he's like, this would definitely be destined to be a cult classic. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> that was like the greatest review ever, but... Yeah, no. Four out of ten. The drone, 2019. Check it out at uh, your own discretion because it's pretty bad, but also kind of fun. So that's gonna do it for uh, dub dub dubs. Let's get into this bonus review. Hey yo, it's about that time for the 22 shots crew to get buck wild and do what we do. You got that fatty in hand, so throw us a few, and we gon' hit your ass up with a bonus review. All righty, so getting into a bonus review for episode 163. Uh, this is a Patreon pick coming from Mark Lehem. Lehem? I don't really know how to say his name properly. Just always pronounce oh, it. it. You know, it might come out normal. If you, I think or, it's Lethem. Lethem? That just sounds way too obvious. <laughs> Maybe it's Lethem. I don't know. Um, I'm like but, the last person to ask. <laughs> I don't know. That's just one of those. It, it looks like it should be pronounced the way it looks. I don't know, but I don't think it is. Anyways, this is coming from Mark Lechim. I think if you just kind of throw in that little thing, then it just automatically makes it sound correct. I don't know. Probably not. Maybe I'm thumb. But, you know, it works in my own mind. Uh, he Patreoned a film from the year 2000, the glorious year of 2000. No, <laughs> not really. It was not a good year. Um, and this one Probably is. Probably the weakest. Probably, the, honestly, the weakest year of the 2000s. Oh, yeah, 2000 is, is pretty bad. I think we went through this one time, looked up some films, but uh, this one is simply titled and cleverly titled Spiders. I, I've, I'm always, like, surprised whenever we get, like, films for featured reviews and there's really not an explanation. I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> spiders? You know what's funny about that? Actually, Mike asked me, he's like, why are we doing spiders? I'm like, it was Patreon. He's like, who the fuck Patreon spiders? <laughs> I was like, I know, right? I mean, no offense, Mark, but it's it's just an oddball choice of a film to do. It's funny because I did just pick up the trilogy on Blu-ray. Is that trilogy um, Blu-ray these three spider films? Yeah, it's Spiders, Spiders 2, and then like one that came out like more recently. You know what? I had no idea that there was a third one. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's a Blu-ray three pack from I think Echo Bridge or Mill Creek. 
Yeah, I know. I actually know it. I didn't realize it was these spider. I thought it was different ones because I mean, really, Spiders is such a generic title. It could have been a million different movies. Who yeah, it's enough? honestly. I well, that's funny because like I have seen a million spider movies, um, especially from this era, like nineties, two thousands. Um, from they used to air on the Sci Fi Channel all the time, and I had sworn I had seen this one. Like even the cover looked familiar, but. Um, I don't think I had seen this one actually. You know, I'd actually seen this movie. It wasn't a sci-fi film, or not? No, but like in the U.S., like they aired like any movie like this on the Sci-Fi Channel back when Sci-Fi Channel was good. Yeah, because this actually does kind of have that sci-fi type TV feel to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. So, I mean, effect-wise and casting, it just kind of feels like that, but. Um, anyways, getting into the synopsis, a DNA experiment on rare, on a rare breed of spider is taking place on a NASA space shuttle. And why the fuck would they do that? When a meet, when a freak meteor shower engulfs the shuttle, causing everything to go horribly wrong. One survivor is found on the ship and, and watched over in a secret location deep in the California desert. The problem continues as a survivor isn't alone as another deadly spider climbs out of him and goes on a rampage around the ship. Curious reporter, Marcy, whatever the fuck, must now survive, escape, and warn everyone before the spider reaches outside the desert. I was just way too fucking long. I love people that write these things. That's why I like reading them out. Um, yeah, man. I, you know, I was rewatching this film, and I was like, okay, first off, why in the fuck would the government be doing spider testing on a NASA space shuttle doesn't that just seem insanely expensive when they could do the exact same research you know really in one of their secret laboratories and save a lot of fucking money because let's face it man you know to put a shuttle up into space costs a damn lot of money it's like ridiculous i know that they were using like alien technology and stuff like that but the point is if they had it they could use it on earth right am i am i not wrong am i right yeah i think one of the other things about this movie is like the characters feel as if like they're supposed to be these like 90s early 2000s like not like not what they're doing right like these characters don't seem like they would be doing what they're doing and it's almost like two movies were being made like a teen uh horror film and like then like but all the like they're supposed to be like journalist like these characters should be like four like 30 something you know what i mean <clears throat> well like it doesn't fit the weird thing is is that the journalist marcy you know she's not even working for like a high class like top newspaper and stuff it's like a fucking it's like a universe or a college paper and she's got like this huge scoop and stuff i'm like what the fuck like, they, <laughs> yeah they, it, it it's so ridiculous it is ridiculous like, i thought it, the beginning of this film was really fucking boring i was like man I wh- when are we getting some spiders, dude? I'm getting I'm totally bored with this. You know what I think? Yeah, I, I, I was think getting angry. All three of us are in the same <laughs> same boat with that one because I think the first like 35 minutes of this movie is just yeah. It's Marcy. I, I time checked it like 30 30 some minutes, and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I was like, is I was like, is this a damn spider movie or what? <laughs> yeah, dude, it just follows this Marcy character and the rest of her crew. And then, of course, you know, coincidentally enough, they're at the same location where this fucking shuttle comes back to Earth, burning through the atmosphere right where they are. 
So then they get to investigate this shit, and I'm like, oh my god, this is that type of movie. But yeah, no, it takes a long time before we get any actual spider action in this 35, 40 minutes or something like that. So I agree, man. The first, you know, bit of this film is boring as shit, man. It really is. So I think just the whole narrative of this movie is just insane to me. Like, how they could ever sell the idea of them doing spider testing and trying to create this this crazy technology in space, though. Why? Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah, honestly, for this era of um, these type of movies, I'd say this is even worse than, than what you normally get um, in terms of plot. Like, usually the plot's pretty light, but, like, this one's almost, like, in... It's like they're trying to make it dumb. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's just out to lunch. I mean, already just having giant spiders is already already insane to do. But when you throw, like, how they're being created in there, it's just like, whoa, shit, dude. Like, But that, that was, like, the main problem in this film is the narrative doesn't have to be like that. You know, you don't have to yeah. set it up 35, 40 minutes into it and then finally get into your shit and stuff. And I don't know why they did it like that. The, the construction of this film is is very odd to me. It's very odd for what they're trying to do. Like they were trying to be overly serious with it at the same time, not be that serious because there's actually a scene when they finally get into this government, uh, this government testing site and stuff, this secret government place where they're obviously doing lots of different type of testing. And they've got like cryogenetic, um, you know, vaults and tombs and things like that. There's a scene, which I, my favorite scene in the film is actually when they first go down there and she sees the, the cryogenic chamber for, uh, um, for President Kennedy, and there was one right beside it for Jim Morrison. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, it's just like this ridiculous. Did you notice that JP? Like, it, it, yeah. they didn't have the President Kennedy name; it just has the date he was assassinated. But everybody knows that date. And then it said Jay yeah. Morrison. I was like, "Oh my god, that's so fucking ridiculous!" But it's kind of poking fun at the government where they're you know they're always covering up shit. They're always doing this kind of stuff, right? So I thought that was actually kind of funny, but that's the other thing. Like it gets like, it has this like social commentary in the film about government cover ups and how ridiculous they can be and shit. And it's kind of funny that they even went that route with this ridiculous narrative. It's kind of funny, but uh, I mean, I will say though, the spider for the most part is kind of practical. They do throw in some CG, which is pretty shoddy. There's actually a fucking scene in this movie. I laugh so fucking hard, man. It's her and her cameraman, I believe. And they end up falling down this huge shaft and they get tangled up in this, in this monster oh, yeah. spider web. And it's like, it's obviously the way it's constructed is so fucking funny looking. It's hilarious. But when they're falling, the effect on that, Oh man, dude, I, I was pissing myself. It's just, it just looks so damn funny. But you know, I mean, I will give them props. So they actually did have some practical effects in this, the big giant ass spiders and stuff. And, and, uh, so, I mean, that's kind of a plus. You know? That was a saving grace. Yeah. And I actually thought like, I thought the movie was over and then there was like a long big scene at the end that there was, I didn't expect. Yeah, there was like a third act and then there was like a third act B. <laughs> yeah, third act plus. <laughs> yeah, it it goes insane. <clears throat> I mean the whole there's this whole scene where, you know, we've got Marcy, she's hanging from a helicopter and she's got this rocket launcher. <laughs> it just goes it goes into straight sci fi territory. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I like my creature features a little bit, especially like the nature run of muck ones or like giant spider, like giant anything ones. I don't know. I just like them to be a little bit different. This one just didn't feel like traditional to me. And I think that when you take, when you move away from 
what works with these it, it just kind of loses me a little bit yeah man what's with the fucking you know the government agent the guy he kind of he was like kind of oh guy. yeah the, he looked like a william defoe look-alike <laughs> some shit like this guy was like dead fucking serious he was like taking out like top-ranked military officials and he's just like capping them off and stuff i'm like holy fuck dude like this guy's crazy like what the hell was with that guy i don't know i'm not sure what his name was but mike do you have anything on this one <laughs> I mean, the first, what, 30, 40 minutes were criminally boring. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I think I even, like, the first time I threw it on, I I took so little away from that first part that I was like, I have to stop this and watch it, like, watch it from the start again because I was getting nothing. Um, oh, you watched, you rewatched the first 35 minutes again? I had to because, like, I was like, is there really that little going on or am i missing something like i was i i was second guessing myself i was like was i just not paying attention because you know once in a while sometimes with kids you know if if i'm watching something while they're awake or messing around or whatever i'll get distracted so i was like second guessing whether i had actually missed some like pertinent stuff and then the second i was like no that's just how bad this first act is um once we actually get some spider stuff, it's like okay, it's it's kind of you know it's it's a saving grace, I guess. Some of the practical effects are good, some not so much that you can laugh at. Um, but I'm not gonna go as far to say it makes up to make it like a great movie or anything. Maybe not even good, just ugh, like there's this stupid shit like you know when the shuttle crashes into the uh into the desert area there it's like it doesn't explode you know fucking fast those things come into the earth back into yeah. the, into the layer i'm like that doesn't even make any fucking sense to me it's ridiculous <laughs> like that thing should have exploded an impact and probably killed them and then we would have had no fucking movie you know i don't know man mm-hmm. it's just it was kind of i was i was chuckling through the whole thing it's ridiculous but i i think it's it's a prime example of a film where you know the first 35 minutes could have been shortened to like maybe seven or eight minutes right this movie just felt way too fucking long to me way too long yeah just like there's just way too much shit that's going it's taking itself way too serious in the beginning and it's just ex- explanations ridiculous already and i don't know it's just one of those films that just feels messy it's kind of boring and then it gets kind of entertaining towards the end but it's still really not that entertaining I don't know. I will say the lead. She was pretty good looking, even though she had kind of like this big scar on her lip and shit, but she was kind of good looking. Yep. So. All right. Um, uh, I gave it a four and a half. Mikey. Uh, I'm going a half lower than you, so I'm going <laughs> four. <laughs> yeah, I was also in it a four, too. Um, it's funny. The part where she's... <laughs> she's like Apollo 18 wait a minute there was no Apollo 18 (laughs) fuck come on man we've already we've already established that there's a lot of government cover-ups here man now we got to throw in the Apollo 18 I just thought I mentioned that it's kind of funny to me but yeah no not a great movie at all very very odd choice well at least he didn't at least he didn't make us watch the second one too is the second one any better or is it about the, along the same lines i've never seen it before uh i i feel like i've probably seen the second one but i don't know i have to i i watched the first one on tubi and the second one's also on there yeah not that i was like 
jumping at the <laughs> chance to watch it, but I'm just curious since you said you bought the pack, right? Yeah, I haven't watched it. You know what was absolutely ridiculous? So, yeah, so we have this Google Patreon page, and Jeremy will throw the links for movies and stuff if they're online or whatever, if we need to do it that way. Of course, mm-hmm. this movie I didn't own, so and he's got the Tubi link for it, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'll just watch it on Tubi, awesome. So I go to Tubi, type in spiders, not there, it's not on the Canadian Tubi. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's spiders, man. There's probably nothing on the Canadian Tubi. Actually, there's a shit ton. I was quite surprised, man. I mean, Tubi, make... Tubi's actually kind of on point, dude. There's a lot of cool stuff on Tubi. Well, just put it this yeah. way. I mean, compared to Netflix, Canadian Netflix, holy fuck, Tubi blows dude. it out the frame, dude. Dude, even American, American Netflix, Netflix sucks, <laughs> dude. I'm, I look at the horror oh. and I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, I'm not joking. They've only put maybe three or four new horror movies on Canadian Netflix all year. There's like nothing new and they keep taking off some of these old ones, replace them with some other shoddy older films too, that I already own physical copies for probably. And the it's only really thing Netflix pathetic. is good for is original programming now. Yeah. Like, you know, I never go on there just to browse their movie section. Now, oh, once in a while, there'll be like random things that just kind of drop out of nowhere that I'm like, Oh, okay, I'll check it out. But man, it's, it's pretty much Netflix is basically HBO. Now we'll watch it for like, original programming and that's about it because i don't really tune into hbo to watch movies either dude i absolutely 100 percent agree man netflix is like the only time i ever watch it is just for like the netflix originals and but i'm kind of like that with shutter though too because i'm not saying shutter doesn't have good films on there shutter actually has a pretty good you know selection of decent movies and stuff on there but i mean for the most part i own pretty much all those so i go there for the uh, exclusives which is kind mm-hmm. of so yeah shutter does a good job i think of getting a lot of like festival stuff like straight on to there where like if it wasn't for shutter it would have taken so much longer to get to like a place like netflix you know yeah and now they've got that and they're starting to do their own shows and stuff which is like tales from the crypt or yeah tales from the crypt and uh which is yeah i'm actually enjoying the shit out of man i've been pleased as hell with it shutter kicks major ass dude i love shutter i have to say man from the first five minutes of the first episode i was like man this is i have a feeling this is going to be really good and the reason for that because when they show like the the creep show dude just kind of like the creep keeper whatever um the creep yeah is that what they call him the creep is it the creep yeah but it was like really it just reminded me of like you know tales from the crypt like you know um it with, the, with the creep keeper man <laughs> yeah creep no i meant like the beginning of tales from the crypt with the with the crypt keeper oh, and shit like that like right? the intro like the intro it just kind of reminded me of that and i was like oh wow this is actually pretty well done for creep show i think i said tales from the crypt before but anyways uh, this is really good I, for creep show and i was like wow i wonder how the episode's gonna be and then i was like so far through the first three have all been really good and i'm like this is fucking awesome man really yeah enjoying I, I love how they use like comic panels when they do montage stuff like yeah. it's 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 nice that they're putting like the actual creep show touches in there um mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's constructed very well on you know the the addition of the comics and you know the the turning the pages and stuff it's all really well done the graphics like the animation is awesome it's really well done and it's good to see that you're seeing some cool actors and stuff in there and um and, he, and each episode flies by because they're only a total of like 45 minutes so each story is like 20 25 yeah i think the first so, story is always a little bit shorter than the second one but i really like the one with dj qualls that was just recently. I like that story. That was kind of cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was my favorite one. Yeah, Bob. That was, I was. It was just cool Bob to see the... DJ Qualls in a in a role like that. It was just fun. 
Because like yeah. it was one of those kind of kind of episodes where I believe he was even breaking the fourth wall in it and stuff, and it yep. it didn't feel cheesy, you know. It it felt right in that situation. It was kind of cool because and those practicals on that little creature thing was awesome. The yeah. little mini xenomorph. Exactly. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was excellent and really yeah, piqued that, my interest. That's my favorite one. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's never uh, a bad thing when they keep getting better. When the first one is good and they keep getting better, I mean, you can't really ask for anything more than that. So. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Jeremy rated Spiders a 6 out of 10. What? Shut, what the fuck is going on here? Last week with his Jeremy rating. Jeremy and Ellie. Jeremy and Ellie. That's amazing, dude. Jeremy and Nelly. Oh, that's his new name. That is fucking. That's his reborn name right there. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that Jeremy would become the high raider on the show, considering he hates everything? He gave Wrinkles a seven for fuck's sakes. It's insane. I gave it a fucking two. I, st- I still don't think that that's insane, honestly. Dude, it's so bad. Oh, it's fucking bad. Oh, I just hated the shit out of that, man. But seriously, like, what did you give it? Uh, I think like a six and a half. Yeah, you were, you were insane, too. You guys are on the fucking... You guys are on the third floor right now with, the, with that shit. And now, our feature presentation. Let's get into the featured reviews here on episode 163. I think I'm saying that right. I don't even know. Is it 163? I always forget by the end of the show. I have, like, the worst memory. Which is... No, it should be 164, I believe. Probably. Doesn't matter. It really does not matter. People aren't going to click out of it. Well, they might click out of it, but... um. Yeah, so this is going to be, I don't know, I'm assuming probably Nunsploitation Volume 1. We'll probably end up doing more of these. I like Nunsploitation. It's, it's kind of a fun, sleazy subgenre of exploitation slash horror and stuff. Um, and I've been wanting to do one of these shows for a long time. I think I mentioned this a couple years ago. And, of course, I was shot down, as usual, by the other two hosts on this show, as usual. Uh, because it seems like every idea I have is really shitty. Wait, what? You were shot down? I, I brought up the nunsploitation a couple years ago, and Jeremy's like, I don't want to fucking do that. Blah, blah, blah. He, I don't well, remember that, because I've always liked nunsploitation. Well, no, I was more referring to Jeremy. But no, it definitely. It definitely he doesn't want to do anything. It definitely wasn't the Jean Roland thing where you guys were just harping on me. They're like, I don't want to fucking do yeah, Jean Roland. Yeah, I actually Roland. ended up liking those. Yeah, I know. That was, that was the irony. And it was so beautiful to find that out too. And I was like, I told you, man, that you might enjoy these. Even Jeremy didn't mind them. No, he didn't watch them. Oh yeah. We were that we had Derek on that show. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I must be thinking of something else. Anyways, first up for nunsploitation, 1975's Satanico pandemonium. And like we said last week, you probably recognize the name Satanico pandemonium. Cause it was used in a very, very popular film in 1996 with a title of From Dust Till Dawn. Uh, Selma Hayek's character is actually named after this movie, which is kind of an interesting little factoid. But that's that's Quentin Tarantino for you, though. I mean, he throws in little nods to films, and all of his movies are filled with these type of things. 
but that's where the name yeah. comes from. So Satanic Satanical Pandemonium, which is such a fantastic title for a film. <laughs> Absolutely love that title. It's so great. Uh, synopsis: A young nun is tempted by visions of forbidden sexual fantasies to cross over to Satan. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Thoughts on the movie? I liked it a lot to open things up. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot too. I thought it was really freaking dope. I know Jeremy didn't like it. Um, yeah, he said it was really boring. boring. He said it was boring, which I don't, I don't, I don't understand how it's boring. I mean, there's really ne- not a lot of uh, downtime, and it kind of gets right into it right away. Well, I mean, it's a lot of watching a character do something. You know what I mean? Well, it's not like, but I, believe, I mean, there's not like a ton of action. I guess maybe. Well, I think that the narrative here actually pretty much everything that you're being exposed to what you're seeing is important to the narrative because our main character, um, sister Maria, which I would say is very, very sexy for a nun. I mean, this is just doesn't really make any sense to me because nuns generally don't look like sister Maria. Maria. Uh, Gotta say Maria like that. Um, but I think what we're seeing, I mean, it is a little bit of a buildup, but it's, it's for her character too. It, It makes a lot of sense because sister Maria, within the convent is very much looked upon by everybody else in there. Like everybody that has an issue with something like there's a black nun and this is taking place during like the inquisition of like the 1600s and stuff. So, you know, I mean, obviously there's, you know, what's going on there and stuff, but you know, she's got issues and other girls have issues and stuff and they come to sister Maria because they all trust her and she's the most trustworthy one. She's the most headstrong. She's the best at what she does. You know, she's the one that can be trusted and stuff like that. And it makes actually a lot of sense in contrast to why, you know, Saint would try to, you know, get into her because if he can, if he can turn her, he knows that, you know, she's going to be the best at what she does and she's going to, you know, help gain that power, you know, for Saint himself. And I, I, I like that. I kind of like that, that setup and that buildup because it shows her in a lot of different situations, helping out these girls, which later on in the film, you take those same type of scenes. And now she's, once she gets possessed by the devil and stuff, and you know, she ultimately is kind of on the, she's on the opposite side now and she's doing the complete mm-hmm. opposite of what she did before with these girls. So I think all that's actually very, you know, it's it's good that they show that in the narrative, in my opinion. I think I don't think it's wonder, You ever just wonder if, like, there just wasn't as many big-boobed women back in the 70s? Because, <laughs> like, every, uh, girl in, every girl in these movies always has, like, smaller boobs. Little bee stings and stuff. I think, truly, I don't know if it's... it's, if it's or done, do you think it was a casting choice all the time? I truly think maybe so, because, I mean, if you put... I mean, even though Maria actually is pretty fucking sexy, she does have small boobs, but... I don't know. Maybe maybe it is a casting thing. Maybe if you, I'm not saying well, they're bad boobs. I'm just there saying like, le- there was probably less fake titties back then. Oh well, there was no fake titties back then. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Not in '75. I don't know why they started they, doing they implants. Were, they just weren't as prevalent back then. I have no idea. I've never actually looked into the history of. I implants. mean, they might they might like here and there, but like definitely like. Super I mean, now it's like chicks get off the plane in los angeles and that's like they're probably their first stop <laughs> exactly exactly i just feel like it is a casting thing you know i think that you, you know having smaller boobs just it's more realistic too like if you have these voluptuous nuns it just seems like it's kind of it seems a little bit comedic to me like how many nuns do you know that have like these giant enormous boobs and are sexy like it just doesn't make... I don't know very many nuns. Uh, I, I, I don't know any nuns. <laughs> well, I mean, well, there you, I don't really know, but I would assume I would assume that not too many 
nuns look like fucking, you know, beach bimbos and shit. So maybe it is a casting thing. I don't know. But I do understand what you're saying because most of these women's women kind of have bee stings and shit. It's, it's kind of funny, but mosquito yeah. bites, mosquito bites and shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I like I really like when nunsploitations take place in, in well, when they're period pieces because it kind of makes sense to me. It makes the setting a lot more, yeah. in my opinion, traditional. Like these old convents are basically like these huge castles in a sense, man. They're just ridiculous. Yeah, what I, they have. I like the setting for sure. Like the like even you spend a lot of time in just her room, and yeah. it's just like this stone looking fucking simple ass room with like one barred window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like whenever she's like putting the uh, thorn thing on her and whipping herself and stuff like that just it's, it's like this one camera shot from like one angle of the room like the entire time <laughs> yeah yeah you know it, I, it's, it's funny too because you look at these scenes and you're like man to us it looks like jail but to them it's like heaven yeah yeah i always find this kind of era of like non-exploitation interesting because um a lot of when when they start, you know, quote unquote, accepting Satan or the devil, a lot of it has to do with women's sexuality. And, and because of when these movies came out, it makes me wonder, it's like, is this, is this the director and the writer and the movie trying to be a commentary on kind of like how religion or in in these cases, more Catholicism itself is like a handcuff on women and like, or like, is it a commentary to say like that, that that's bad that it kind of represses their sexuality or is it almost like a pro Catholicism? Like don't dabble in this you know, because, hmm. because I would um, contrast it with a movie like the witch. Now in the witch, Tomlinson is not a nun by any means, but the way the witch ends and sorry, if it's kind of a spoiler, it's, it's almost as if she, she's almost freeing, becoming free to be, what she wants at the end where this it obviously doesn't end that she dabbles in kind of like her sexuality in the end it comes full circle and she ends up you know paying the price you know i i've always thought this too about non-exploitation films and you know the sexuality aspect of these films like if i've ever learned one thing from watching non-exploitation films is that you know it's definitely struck in my head and it's imprinted in my mind that every nun is a lesbian apparently <laughs> It's like the most fucked and weird thing because it doesn't matter what non-exploitation film you watch. There's going to be um, fucking lesbian the action. There always to. is in every single film. It's crazy. But to, to, to answer what you're saying, Mike, I've thought about this before, too. And it seems to me in this narrative, I think the easiest way to to basically get her to possess her, you know, to make her cross over to the dark side, commit that evil sin is as simple as, you know, making her do something sexually. Because I think that's the easiest way to get someone to do something sinful. You know, instead of making, you know, I mean, if 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 he has to make her do something sinful to get her, right? And I think mm-hmm. sexuality well, yeah, is in everybody's temptation. mind. It's temptation. That's the I think most temptation. Exactly. And sexuality sin. is one of those things where people are just so tempted by it. Like if you said to her, if you tried to get her to murder somebody, she's not going to do that. Right. She's going to be like, fuck you kind of thing. But I think with the sexuality, I mean, obviously the devil turns into a woman here and seduces her. And then once they start to kiss, that's when he's got her, he's possessed her. And I think that's just really the easiest way to do it. Because everybody's oh, oh, tempted by sex. Kiss. Everybody's <laughs> tempted by sex. And, you know, and obviously it's a sin within, you know, the, uh, you know, the Bible. I mean, premarital, yeah. anything, lesbianism. I mean, there's a lot of sins there. It's, you know, but 
it the, devil, make... the, the devil had to kiss her other mouth to fully get, get <laughs> yeah. her on board. But I think it's done pretty well here. I think it's honestly done pretty well because, you know, at first you're like, ah, oh, yeah, here comes that fucking lesbian scene. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's, yeah. that's fucking, that's the devil doing his work. And it, it like in the way it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, shit, totally. And then kind of gets you mm-hmm. thinking because she was already going to be a hard bargain. So why not tempt her with the sexuality? Because she quite... Because she quite obviously was not buying into the whole forbidden fruit thing, which they shove that, you know, that aspect right down your throat so many times, right? He's like eating the apple, throwing it to her, and she's not taking it and stuff, right? So, you know, she resisted that temptation of a nice healthy snack and a fucking Macintosh apple or something like that. So, yeah. So you had to get her some other way. And to me, it works perfectly. It's great. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the quote-unquote special effects crack me up. It reminded me of like the old show Bewitched when something had to appear in the head. You should just see the way they, the film cuts and like yeah. just something appears in there. That cracked me up. But I mean, that's just a sign of budget in the times. Um, oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, Lucifer in the character, he definitely had a tricker because every time he would appear naked in the woods, she'd run away. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how like she basically has to, she's like, trying to get it on with the what was he like a stable boy or something and yeah dude runs oh, yeah. away well, that, like, that is uh i mean i i didn't age verify but that is a kid right i must yeah uh, but at this point she's, and, yeah she's possessed right so she's just basically trying to I don't know, no no i understand that i'm just saying like she like kisses him and stuff yeah no, I know. Oh, yeah. Like in reality, like in the filmmaking yeah. aspect of, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, that must be odd <laughs> for an different actress. Times, well, it's also Mexico. It's a, right? it's a Mexican so, film, yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe things are a little bit different. And JP, you want to enlighten us on that? Or what? <laughs> no, it's definitely. I mean, it, it's interesting, too, because this movie was made right at, the, right at the cusp of Mexican censorship, too. So. You know, this movie kind of got in there, and I think with Alucard, I think was made after the censorship came in, even though they're a couple years, years apart. After I think, yeah, yeah. Alucard came out in '77, and I believe censorship, had, but that movie was also paired up as an American production, also, hence why they yeah. speak English in the movie. So, but it is a it's a Mexican U.S. But I think censorship had come in at that time. Maybe that's why they had to pair with the U.S. to kind of get their films out. But but yeah, you can tell this is pre censorship because right after the fact, a lot of these movies came out. They weren't like this. You weren't seeing films out of Mexico like this at all. Yeah, I also read that. I can't remember if it was on the wiki page or I was just reading up on like the production, I guess. Because one of the things that was confusing to me is like the way the movie actually ends, where it, it almost gives you like the did this shit really happen or did she just have the plague and it was all like kind of fantasy going on in her head. And I read that in order to get it past the censorship, they had to end the film almost making it seem like it was a dream and it like didn't happen. Cause I guess that would justify, Oh look, it never really happened. She was just dying of the plague. Yeah. Even though, it, even though, no, that's not like, no, that shit happened because you know, too much, but they had to kind of film the ending to where it could be reasonable to say none, none of it actually happened. Yeah. I actually, um, had read that long when I watched this movie years ago and I was like, yep. That kind of makes sense, right? But it can, mm-hmm. like, I mean, really, I mean, if that's what the filmmakers were trying to do, it's such a fucking capo because we all know that ending is like the most ridiculous thing. You have all this great stuff, and it's like, no, it's a fucking dream. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah, um, I I love the scene uh, uh, after. So she's done some murders. She's hiding out in the cave up there, and then like at first they're coming up there to like get her. They say to turn over to the Inquisition, and then 
she she at first she resists Lucifer and then he's she accepts the bargain or whatever and and they take her back and she's back at the convent but like all the nuns are just like fucking dancing and singing half naked and stuff and like that's kind of like the representation of like not hell so much but just so much like hey that's all we want to like wow they're so evil they just want to sing and dance and <laughs> have fun it's just funny how like how like things are viewed as like wicked and evil in certain eras and like through through the lens of like religion in some ways how just women being women you know like it's also the freeing of their minds too because exactly yeah. when, when you're in you know a convent situation when you're a nun like you're you're, you're strict married and Jesus. you're married and bound to Jesus right so depicting them and a lot of people will be like oh it's just straight exploitive you know it's just they just want to show some naked bodies and stuff but honestly man it's just it's a sin right to what they're doing and stuff so it's showing the evil side and it kind of makes sense i'm glad they do because it's kind of fun to watch uh-huh. i could have done without i think there's some is there some schlongs in that scene too i don't know <laughs> but maybe maybe that's know. not your card but anyways but you know what i'm saying though it's like showing that sexual side of them and that's what they do in hell man you know they just have fiery singing and dancing sex orgies and shit orgies. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah yeah which there's there's like i mean that shit kind of makes sense and you know, in Al in Alucarda too, the way it kind of goes down in that scene too. But uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But I think there's some really good scenes actually towards the end of this film where you see Sister Maria, and she's kind of walking. She's walking somewhere, anyways, and like the sheep are following her, and it's just uh-huh. like it's just like straight symbolism to like you know she's leading this herd of nuns into hell right now and shit like that. And I, I thought that was actually kind of well done the way they did that. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So they use some pretty cool imagery. It's it's pretty obvious. But oh yeah, I mean, and I, and I, it it's justified in a movie like this because obviously non exploitation and I, you know, with Mexico deeply rooted in Catholicism, especially back then, it it makes sense for them to make a movie like this and with the heavy symbolism and almost like putting it out there uh, in in the way that they did, and I. I enjoyed it quite a bit. This is the first time I've seen this one. I the mm. other movie I've seen before, mm. but and I always knew about this that they existed, but I just another one of those ones that's kind of like on a list somewhere to watch, but yeah. finally got to do it. You know, this movie actually does have a lot of. It's got pretty decent filmmaking and stuff, but you can tell it's super cheaply made. Like you know the scene where she's stabbing the shit out of the that boy. <laughs> you yeah. can literally see the retractable prong knife. knife yeah it's retracted yeah it want it, it looks good at first but uh, by like the i don't know fourth or fifth stab you start noticing the retractable yeah, yeah they, because didn't, they didn't shy away from showing so it slow yeah, <laughs> yeah her so- her stabbing so like uh held back and just slow it's like uh you're making yeah. it obvious here well it's like the scene too where i think maria at the end there or when she's in that where all the nuns are all naked and shit like that and she stands up and she starts getting fucking stabbed up or whatever and it's like Dude, that, that stabbing is like horrible. It's like fucking the, terrible, like absolutely terrible. The blood looks like orange almost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's ridiculous. But yeah. there's one scene in this, you know, like towards the end where the the nuns are actually digging, you know, these graves and shit like that. Like that, for some odd reason, watching nuns dig graves is like eerie to me. There's just something <laughs> awkward and odd about how, nuns how, digging how, holes. How? I was going to say, how many other times have you seen nuns dig graves? I don't know. Maybe I just realized watching that again. I was like, this just seems so awkward and, and weird to me. I don't know what it is, man. It's just something you don't 
ever think about. I mean, why would you think about nuns digging holes anyways? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's just one of those things where you like, when you see it, you go, oh, that, that's very odd and strange. I don't know. I, yeah. I guess back in the day, they had to do everything. They didn't have people to do it for them, I guess, during the Inquisition days. The nuns had to dig the, the fucking holes and stuff. I guess so, because like in this movie, it's pretty much all females like yeah well they they kind of do everything yeah there's really no males in the whole film so they kind of accomplish and do everything themselves it's mm-hmm. really strange i mean i guess they can't always be just praying to to jesus or to god and stuff so they got to be digging holes just in case they need to put someone in there i don't know exactly <laughs> it's so fucking strange yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like this one a lot. It's to me, it's a, it plays a lot more straight than the next one. Like the next one, just amps shit up <laughs> crazily. Yeah, I mean a little bit, but yeah, no, this is, I I really enjoy this movie, man. I you know it touches on a lot of different things and stuff, but you know it's not as in depth as like Al Ucarta kind of touches on a little bit more to do with certain things and stuff. But um, no, this is a fun one. I mean, it's got a lot of things going for it. It's got it's got some decent cinematography at times, even though they some of the transition shots. I think they use a couple different times for transitions, like that shot where they're they're kind of focusing in on the, on the cliff in this film. I think it happens a couple times throughout the film. So, yeah, a little bit low budget, I guess, but yeah. Um, ratings? Who wants to go first, Mikey? Uh, I am gonna give this. A seven. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, a first time watch, so you know it was it was brand new to me. Um, I liked the main character. I thought she she played a good kind of sympathetic uh, character in in peril because of you know giving into the devil. I thought she she played a a great conflicted character, but when she had to turn and like act evil. Uh, when the, the the mom or not the mom the the older nun confronts her and she's mother like, superior ah, mother superior she's like, I have the devil on me and he is I'll take the nuns to hell with me, or whatever I don't remember the exact dialogue but I thought I think the main character they got a really good actress for it and I think that really helps mm-hmm. um, in a movie like this um, so yeah it's a strong movie seven. Yeah, I'm actually at the same rating too, seven out of ten. It's good, man. It's got, it's got, you know, the location's amazing, man. It's got some de- decent atmosphere in it too, you know, for a film that, you know, is non exploitation. But it's got some really kind of deep, dark moments in it and stuff. But I really like the organ music too. It just, it's kind of somber and it, the way it plays out through the film just really kind of adds to it, man. I, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of that type of type of score but it makes a lot of sense right organ music that's what you hear in churches and stuff so it makes complete sense um but yeah the narrative itself you know i actually really enjoy the way it's done the imagery you know the you know the obvious things that are going on in there and stuff um it's good it's decent uh yeah seven out of ten yep i'm right there with you seven out of ten coolio sevens all around i wonder what jeremy would have gave that I gave it a five. Did he really? He likes mm. spiders more than this. Yep. Fucking Jeremy and Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Jeremy and Nelly or Jay Nelly or something, because something is not right with him. Yeah. That is fucking. He's like turned strange on me or something. 
<laughs> his ratings are just all over the place. Wait, but... wait, he used to not be strange. No, no, even more. I think it's, I think it's his working that's getting to his mind. He's just, he's conflicted and confused. <laughs> like in spiders more than satanical pandemonium. I would have gave fucking just a title of that movie higher than a five. Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't seen it, man. Satan, 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 our Lord and Master. I acknowledge thee as my God and Prince. I promise to serve and obey thee as long as I shall live. I renounce the other God and all the saints. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. All right, so jump in uh, two years later into the 70s, 1977's Alucarda. Uh, Like I said before, this is a Mexican slash um, USA production uh, directed by Juan Lopez I don't know what the fuck this guy's name is, but I I don't think I even said the director's name for the last one, but I digress. El Yucarda is probably one of the more famous non-exploitation films out there, um, in my humble opinion. But uh, yeah, synopsis. After the death of her parents, a young girl arrives at a convent and brings a sinister presence with her. It is in her enigmatic imagery friend, El Yucarda, who is to blame? Or is there a satanic force at work? Um, that's not actually fully correct. Yeah, they, they meet a group of gypsies or some shit. Yeah, no. <laughs> like this synopsis actually is a little bit wrong because it says a young girl arrives at a convent and brings a sinister presence with her. It's not. See, Al Yucarda is the one that was already there, and she's the one that, you know, is kind of the huge possessed one in this one. Um, yeah. That's kind of well, interesting that they wrote it like that because it's actually not really true. Justine is, she was orphaned. She's the she's the other main character in this, and she's the one that befriends Al Yucarda. Al Yucarda, in the beginning of the film, there's a scene where she's obviously being born, and her mom dies, shit like that. Um, and Al Yucarda's raised in the convent. And so this I was is. A little, I was a little confused, like, if. Cause so, uh, as far as that scene goes, so that's Al Yucarda being born at the beginning, right? Yeah, because the movie jumps 15 years yeah. later and she's 15 years old. So, and, and it specifically. Well, were, were, they, were, were they implying that Al Yucarda was like her dad was Satan or something? Because when the mom gives birth, then you start hearing like the the sound of like the devil like coming in there, right? Like, and then it, it almost seemed like she was like, take my baby. The baby has to survive, like, get it away. And so, why would she be like. Well,. I don't, what have you done to its eyes? <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent. See, I'm a little bit confused on it too, because I feel like the mother's the one that gets kind of possessed because later on after, you know, Al Yucarda and Justine become friends and stuff, they go frolicking through the hills and there's this ridiculous scene where they're like rolling down the hills together. And sh- I guess that's what yeah. people it do. It like Al Yucarda was already kind of like a black sheep a little yeah, bit yeah, in the sure. convent. I think it's because she was there since birth and she was just kind of always there and stuff. And I mean, that's just, they kind of projected her character like that. I don't really know, but I feel like the mother is the one that kind of got possessed because if you look at the scene where they are frolicking through the hills and then they meet these gypsies, that one gypsy, apparently, I, I think he is supposed to be the devil. And so the guy. Yeah, so that main guy anyways. So they kind of meet these gypsies. They keep going and they go into this convent type, this old decrepit convent and shit. It, it, it kind of looks like they walk into the past. It's kind of a, a really dark and dreary scene. I really like it, actually. The, the whole... Um, set design on that is fantastic. They did a really good it, job with that. It's like it looks fucking, like somewhere like like Dracula would be hanging. Yeah, out. dude, it looks super super creepy, man. They did a great job with the, just the look of that. So, anyways, they go into this place where apparently uh, El Yucarda was born, 
and they eventually open up this tomb and there's a body in there and then something happens to you know the big fucking smoke and shit comes out and that's when El Yucarta gets fucking possessed so yeah so that's how that becomes and then El Yucarta of course becomes you know possessed and she becomes bad and then she's trying to get Justine to you know start this blood pack and stuff like that and eventually succeeds and uh, Justine actually becomes possessed herself, herself like that and of course they're in a convent so you know people are starting to notice this shit and then they try to extinguish and exercise them and shit like that so um, but yeah I, I know what you're saying though because like in that scene where she's being born it does seem like she's being held as like the Satan's daughter maybe that's why she ends up getting possessed after she opens up that I don't know it's not really explained yeah, I mean, but that's definitely the scene where everything changes, where she gets possessed, and that was her mom in there. Mm-hmm. So, because that was the place she was born, I don't know why it would be someone else, <laughs> right? It doesn't really, right, yeah. it doesn't make sense. It would be somebody else because then the narrative's just getting all fucking wonky there. But, um, but yeah, so that's you know basically the outline of the film. Um, this one touches on a lot of different things. It touches on there's a lot of scenes in this film where, you know, people are basically screaming out the hypocrisies of religion and stuff like that. You've got both ends of the spectrum. You've got the priests that are, you know, totally convinced that this is possession and, and, um, you know, they got to exercise and, you know, it's all about, you know, the religious aspect of here. And then you got like these doctors that are totally like, you know, this shit is bullshit. And, you know, it's got, and then you got the girls that could get possessed and they're literally like screaming out the hypocrisies and calling out religion and stuff like that because they're possessed by the devil and stuff. But I kind of like that, that social commentary too, because again, it was like, you know, this was dealing with the Mexican, the times in Mexico and stuff. And I don't know what exactly if religion was being pushed on some people or certain areas and stuff, but obviously the filmmaker was a little bit opposed to it probably in a sense, I would assume. So, mm-hmm. I would assume so. Because they put a lot of dialogue into it, like, yeah, religion's fucking bullshit. They, they, not in those words, but they're really kind of leaning towards that and stuff. They really attack it a lot with the possession. It's not just like these girls are possessed going around killing people. They get into, there's a lot of dialogue with it too, which I was really kind of surprised when I was rewatching. I was like, damn, they're really kind of spew, uh, spewing some shit here. So, yeah, definitely, know. definitely a lot of, di- a lot more dialogue than the last film. Mm-hmm. I noticed that too. But I like it because they, they, they have a medium. They, they have a fine line between, you know, they have arguments, you know, like the, the priest is talking about the shit and, you know, you got the other eye aspect and you got the evil aspect of it and stuff. And I think the narrative is actually pretty well done in this for such a low budget short film. I mean, this movie only runs like under age, 75 minutes, maybe, you know, and they pack a lot of shit it's into like this. 74 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah, they pack a lot of shit into this movie. And it's it's actually kind of heavy if you're really into religion and, you know, the, the devil versus God and, you know, all that type of stuff. It, it's kind of heavy set with that. Um, you know, filming wise, this movie is very fucking strange to me because I've seen this movie probably three or four times now. And every time I watch this film, it seems like it's it's filmed like a play. Yeah. Do you not get that? Like, you know, the scene in the film that's where that's a good, that's a good observation. It feels yeah, like set, it set feel pieces. Like, it does feel like that. It feels like there's set pieces, and it like every scene is like a scene that you would see at a play. And there's a scene the where cur- the curtains would close before yeah. they moved to each location. Been, yeah. I mean, the very first scene that I really kind of you know thought about the whole play aspect was the scene where alucarda and justine where alucarda is trying to you know basically get justine on on the devil's side. And, you know, there's um, 
the devil kind of appears, that gypsy devil or whatever. He peers out of the black and that's like totally fucking playish. You know, that's mm-hmm. what you would see in a play. And then that whole scene kind of goes down where and it's kind of like satanical, uh, uh, satanical pandemonium with the lesbian scene. And yeah, I, I think I think in a lot of exploitation, well, especially this era, sexual repression versus sexual awakening is it and you know because there, they also there was also the sexual revolution going on in the world for sure at the time yeah, that's so a good I, that's a good point and i think it, you, you see them kind of like freeing up to that but then they turn around and what does like the convent do like they're punished for having a sexual awakening and like giving into like their sexual temptation because of the way religion at least that interpretation of religion kind of looks to block that off. And so I think, you know, that's a reoccurring theme in a lot of months, which, and I think they do it really well in this one. You have that huge dancing scene after they've been possessed, I think, or that's kind of like the completing of the ritual after yeah. the blood ritual. Well, that's the scene, right? So the devil steps in and then of course it's kind of like the satanical pandemonium thing where, you know, in that, in that movie, the devil is kind of shapeshifted itself into a female and that's how he gets her. It's very similar in the scene where, you know, she obviously succumbs to, you know, well, in a sense, she kind of doesn't. It almost seems like Ali Carter really forces it on her because, I mean, when she's sucking on her titty there and <laughs> fucking Justine screaming is the most awkward thing because they actually cut to her. You know, Al Carter's like sucking on her titty and then they'll cut up to her face and she's like, ah, and then it cuts back and it does it like three, four times. And it's like getting awkward. You're like, fuck, come on, man. Just go to the next scene. Oh God. Later in the, later, later in the movie, there's like five straight minutes of people just going, ah, yeah, dude. But yeah, that, that scene right there kind of leads into this huge sexual fucking fantastical, um, orgy scene. It's really fucking, that kind of reminded me of the end really of the witch, there. the end of the witch when, uh, Tomlinson mm. walks up and they're kind of doing their ritual and, Mm-hmm. all that shit you know it it's it that, just was reminiscent of that i love that scene though man it's it's very like a you know fantastical kind of it's just seems way out there the way it's doing but again wow. you know going back to satanical pandemonium they do the same shit with the whole sexual orgy and stuff and i i guess that's what happened it's it's almost like a celebration you know when you convert someone over to the other side it's like hey guys we have to have this this fucking naked orgy this massive well, yeah. ridiculous fire because like you know, that is, you're breaking so many sins doing all that. Well, that's you what know? I said before, right? It Lesbianism, yeah. orgies, yeah. adultery, fucking... That's what I said before. It totally makes perfect sense. And I'm glad that's that they use that type of imagery really to sell that whole idea. Because I think a lot of people are just kind of seeing it for base value. Like, oh, another fucking orgy that wasn't needed in the film. <laughs> you know, but... They're like but reveling it, it, in the blasphemes it's it's like one of the ultimate sins because like you said you're committing so many different type of sins and it's it's the easiest way to get people to the other side because everybody is sexual doesn't matter you know i mean apparently fucking are too. not everybody well yeah i mean there's certain people that aren't well yeah well that's different sexual and sexual act active are two totally different things but yeah that's why you go back yeah you go back to the repression versus uh expression like yeah for sure yeah it's part of like being yeah like jeremy repression <laughs> jeremy no expression <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> dude have you have you ever listened to our uh top 50 episode for what did we do that on episode 150 <laughs> yeah our dude, 50 every films. film in his top 50 was like about like sexual repression or fucking or something like, just <laughs> ultra depressing <laughs> Dude, it's just ridiculous. 
he watches this and is like, those bitches got what they deserved. <laughs> then, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like this movie, though. I, I, I like that it doesn't really hold back on anything. No, it's, and it's it, not- it, it kind of plays itself off The Exorcist a little bit, too, right? Because this one you know, is it's hardcore with the, with the demonic possession and stuff and, you know, performing exorcisms and shit like that. I kind of like that, you know, it's essentially, you know, it's a non-sploitation, but it's, it's kind of an exorcist ripoff too, right? Yeah. You got, you got Satanism, murder, demonic possession, exorcisms, orgies, lesbianism. Yeah. I'll tell you what the money shot in this movie to me was, uh, the fucking blood coffin. Yeah, dude. that's like one of my favorite fucking scenes, dude. I absolutely love that scene, man. It's so she looks awesome. freaky as hell. Like when she yeah. sits up in there and the look on her face. I was like, and when she kind of comes after her, uh, the is it uh, like the mother mother superior in this? Yeah, the, the version of mother superior in this one. Yeah, when she kind of comes after, you know, it's totally like lo-fi and nothing special about the effects, but it just is acted so well like the look on her face the expression and just the way she's kind of like cat scratching at her it's just so well done it's a great scene because you don't it hasn't really been duplicated like that she kind of when she gets out of that coffin he's just covered in fucking blood it's like carrie coming out of a coffin it's totally uh-huh. it's totally fucking rad and it's they don't even go over the fucking top with it either like i totally agree it's it's such a great scene it really is man it's like the highlight of the fucking movie for me like really, really good shit. I just the whole idea of a blood-filled coffin is just fucking amazing. But there's actually another really cool scene too. Like one of the other possessed people that apparently see. I've always been kind of confused on that. How they see. I remember watching this film before and being super confused even by that scene because that's one of the scenes that comes right after. But um, when they find that body that's kind of like you know been burnt up because you know burns in hell kind of thing, and then the priest brings it back to kind of his lair or whatever and, and he ends up having to chop the head off with this huge ass sword because it's still possessed and stuff i used to think that was fucking justine right because yeah. she was because this is after they try to do the exorcism on el yucarda and uh, justine and what happens in the scene spoiler alert justine actually gets ends up dying in this in this scene and so but then she actually kind of reappears in this coffin type deal and uh but that scene with the other person that was all burnt up and shit like that who is that that's a good question the scene where yeah because the yeah Yeah, i know what you're talking about because it takes like a couple chops doesn't it yeah (laughs) right because it's not alucarda because she's not no she's still alive and i'm like and i always every time i watch this i'm like fuck man like who is that it must be just someone else. It must just be implying that someone else got possessed and someone, obviously yeah. burnt, burnt up and stuff because the priest has to deal with that himself. And well, that, that was doesn't somebody get <clears throat> lit on fire at one point, or is that later that that's that later. happens? That's later. Later yeah. when Ali Carter goes all carry on everyone. Yeah, she goes like fucking <laughs> super carry on people. Yeah, and it's kind of, I know, right? It's like an extra scary ripoff, but done really well. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that that scene has always been kind of confusing. But it's an important scene though, too, where the you know the the priest cuts off the head and stuff and then because that's the point in the film where you know it really convinces the the guy that doesn't believe uh-huh, to be a believer right. and like th- there's a lot of social commentary there too right and i really enjoy that because you know it's like i said this movie spewing a lot of different type of dialogues and social commentaries which you know you probably wouldn't expect from you know you think a non-exploitation film that's more or less a ripoff of exorcist and carrie so 
Um, but it definitely is its own thing. It definitely is its like own thing. It's got mm. really great imagery. And, and the whole end scene in this film is fucking great, man. It looks awesome. Yeah, and it goes, it goes on for a while, too. Like, you, they definitely get their money's worth out of the fire. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's do. weird because this, this movie is the uh, shorter of the two, but it, it feels longer. Because they pack a lot of shit into this, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. that's yeah. <clears throat> yeah, more stuff happens, that's why. I like the like the the, the other nun, one, the, the nun uh, versus satanic the... pandemonium is like very slow burn. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I like the nun versus the satanist chicks like the spir- the spiritual showdown where they're both like kind of taking damage. You can tell they're like both trying to use their supernatural shit where they keep cutting back and forth between them and then the satanist chick finally kills over. Like she's been fucking bludgeoned or something. Mm-hmm. That was a cool scene. I like that. Yeah, man. All right. Alucarda. I bought Rails. an Alucarda shirt because I love this movie. You know, I think I think Derek has one too, actually. I know, man. I was actually thinking. Did you about- really? You bought an Alucarda shirt? Yeah, I found one online for like fifteen bucks. Wait, have you seen this movie before? Yeah, I've seen it before. This this oh, one. Is, uh, yeah, this one's not a first time watch. The uh, the other one was. I was about to say, damn, you became a fan quick. <laughs> no, nah. well, the like the really cool looking shirt I found online, but it's like a shop in Mexico, and it's like, oh, it, it's like takes a month to ship. I was like, what? <clears throat> so then I found like a black and white one. It's basically if you look at IMDb. It's basically that same graphic on the shirt, but just black and white, no red. But for fifteen bucks, I was like, "Fuck it!" Like, I like it, so I'll, I'll pick it up, and I'm mm-hmm. happy with it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm, like most people, don't know what the hell it is. But oh well, I'll tell, I'll tell anyone. Yeah, just All like right. the just like the last movie, this one has a really good, uh, really good look. A lot of great, uh, you know, locations shot in. Uh, it actually doesn't take place during Inquisition, which is you know that's that's a very common thing with non-exploitation films. There's a lot other ones that take place during like the 1600s, 14, whatever 1600s. This one actually takes place in 1860, and they even they even talk about that in the film too, which is kind of an interesting period, you know. Um, but yeah, the wardrobes and stuff are fantastic. Everything just looks great in this film, um, and just mixed with the imagery, man. I, th- I just think this is really well done for a film that's always been dubbed as an exorcist ripoff and stuff. I think it's definitely one of the better ones out there, but it, like I said before, it's definitely its own thing. It, it's trying to say something about what's going on there and, you know, and just religion and general versus evil and stuff. And it's, I think it's really well done, man. Um, I personally absolutely love this film. It's probably my favorite non-exploitation film that I can think of right now. Yeah, I haven't. I'm. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen as much as you. But out of the ones I've seen, I, this is probably my favorite. I mean, just because so much happens in this movie, and it's just it's an easy watch. It's oh. you know, it's not a long running time, and yeah. it once it gets going, it just flies. Like, Satanical Pandemonium is 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 a pretty decent film, you know, but it doesn't have the type of you know take home scenes that this one has. I mean, this one's got a couple really, really memorable scenes in it that I think really stick out, you know, just even in the seventies alone, pretty crazy stuff. Like, like we talked about the coffin scene, which is fantastic. The whole end of the film is fantastic. Like there's some good, there's some good effects in here, you know, for such a low budget film, great acting. And I, I just honestly think they did a really fantastic job with this. And the Alucarda character is fantastic too, man. It looks yeah, great. They captured that one, quite well. I would say this one does enough to actually like use, 
like the the word horror when describing it where like other ones they kind of toe the line between like exploitation mm-hmm. stuff but to me this one makes a point to like make some actually pretty creepy and frightening mm-hmm. stuff going on i mean there. it's that whole demonic possession aspect of it too right i mean i think anything to do with the devil and stuff is a little bit scary so i always kind of dub it but when you throw nuns in there it just automatically becomes splo- exploitation because they're fucking nuns <laughs> right mm-hmm. so yeah um but l u carta man i'm in at a nine i love this movie i think it's fantastic um i'm i i didn't like it as much as you guys i guess i gave it a seven as well really same same level as satanico wow crazy i actually like satanico better but i just feel like they're around the same quality wow crazy i think this one's got a little bit better way better done i think i just like the um atmosphere and like how the the chick was like you know killing people and shit i don't know i just like that i i really got into satanico i just think a little bit more i think people kind of misinterpreted this film too because you know if you read through i remember reading i didn't read any reviews this time but um reading through things before that people had said about this film they're like oh man it's just a bunch of fucking nonsensical dribble and blah 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 i'm like but what's not what's not making sense here like I don't think it's as crazy as people think. Like you know, on the sense of you know, you know, nonsense and and having logic and stuff. I think this one actually has logic. I mean, putting yourself into the into the narrative that you know the shit actually does exist. You know, I think it's pretty well done for that type of narrative. So I don't really understand why it's so confusing to people. I, it's probably the fucking the weird orgy scene because people aren't thinking about it the way we are. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it throws people off. They're just like, wow, it just goes into this crazy ass nightmare, weird logic type shit. And I'm like, well, maybe a little bit, but not really. So I don't know. People seem to what think this think, one's weird. What do you think, Mike? I am giving it a nine because for me, this is the standard in non-exploitation. Of course, like I mentioned, I I haven't seen tons of them, but this I'm a is psycho my favorite guy myself. nice (laughs) um but yeah i think you know this one has the complete package it has all the symbolism there but there's also just some downright scary stuff that's going on i think the main actresses that play justine and al yukarta are really good i think you know once justine's character exits and al yukarta really takes front and center she just has look for this movie she has that right look where they didn't have to do much to her you know brush her hair down and that's about all they had to do put her in a nun outfit and have her stare at the camera and she has the look of like a freaking possessed nun you notice like it's not like she had all this crazy makeup or anything she just naturally has that scary look and uh i i like it i like the aspect of kind of the uh what's it like the doctor guy coming in with the it's all nonsense you guys are just committing murder making a believer out of them yeah Mm -hmm. i love that aspect too. yeah i like that i I like the way um we get uh lucifer's interpretation as kind of like you know the traveling gypsy that kind of lures them in in other ways and uh yeah and i do and of course like i already mentioned i like the kind of theme of uh, uh, the hell was I thinking? The the sexual stuff, like <laughs> the mm-hmm. repression versus expression. That that's always a big theme in these movies, and I I think it's always interesting, especially for women, 
because you know I, I think just religion historically has been not kind to women expressing themselves sexually so it's almost it's almost mandatory in these movies that there's going to be a scene you know somehow involved <laughs> I, I in don't that. know if it's necessarily women i just think that society is more it's more society i don't think it's religion well i think culture i mean without turning this into a whole i think cult, like modernization of culture itself yeah has driven religion to change with the times but i think in some ways religion has kind of le- it has kind of led from behind where it's been up to society to kind of like force religion to modernize as opposed to like back in the day when like we're going by like the literal words out of the book it's like well something had to drive them to change that in people's minds I don't think religion changed by itself but hey I don't want to we're we're almost done. I don't want to open it up to that, <laughs> that conversation. But, you know. Yeah. One thing I even so, forgot to mention was fucking uh, the fact that you know Alucarda and Justine are 15 years old, and we can we 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 get to see them you know completely frontal nude throughout the film. It's that it's that whole idea of like these are 15 year old. They're they're obviously not 15. They they're totally way older than. Yeah, 15. I was about to say they don't look 15. I no. was about to be scared for a second, but no, no. What's the one? What's the one movie? <clears throat> Um, from like '76, where there's like a 14 year old like straight nude in it. It's a I've religious never, film too. I've never seen it. I'll never watch that. JP. No, I don't know. I, I have no idea. No, we watched it for '76. Remember the, the possession, of, the possession of Joel Delaney. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's yeah. there's this really crazy fucking scene in this movie where this boy is actually 13 years old. In no, 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 no. It's a girl. <laughs> What's the country it's of origin girl. of that movie? Which, oh, maybe there was two movies because like England or something. Oh no, uh-huh. the, yeah, the possession of Joel Delaney was. Uh, there's literally a 13 year old boy in that movie, and they have a full frontal shot of him, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, that's the crazy shit, dude. Like 13 in reality, I was like, whoa, that's something you can't do anymore. <laughs> I know. We ran into sure. a lot of films like that in the 70s, like what the peepers saw and shit. There, there's themes in that film you'd never see ever again. In film. Thor yeah, Birch was like was 16 in American though? Beauty. Yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah, they just know, said they had to get the parents' permission. Yeah, like going back to this, we, we've d- discussed this before, but it's, it, you know, we know that these actors are not 15, but they're being portrayed as 15 year olds and they're like fucking full frontal. It's like, holy shit, dude. You know, it's just that whole yeah. weird notion of, oh, yeah, they're 15. Like, is it. Like the the conversation that stems from that is like fucking never. Was ended, it but... to the devil a daughter? Oh yeah, yeah to the devil not... a daughter. Yeah, the is hammer, it the hammer film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know it was. Yeah, hammer. Isn't that girl like fourteen or fifteen or something yeah, in there? She, yeah, she was young too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know that. Yeah, they're playing fifteen-year-olds in this, but I feel like the nudity and like this, especially this movie, the way it's handled, it's not really there to like tantalize. It's it's more symbolism than like. Well, I could care less if they're playing a fifteen year old or whatever. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah. That's, that's definitely different. No, 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 for yeah. sure. I'm just saying, but like, just in your own, like in your mind, you know, just putting that thought that oh, these are fifteen year olds. You know, sometimes I, I get a little bit uncomfortable, even though I know that they're quite clearly not fifteen years old. I'm like, fuck. It's still the ideas there, right? You know. I don't know. I think it's funny. I don't know. It doesn't, I, I, it doesn't, honestly, like, that's I one thing that does make me uncomfortable I can't, sometimes. Like, 
it doesn't i can't like uh put my mindset to where i think it's like i can't like put it to where i would think it was real or something i don't know well, I mean, but the other one that that one really disturbed me. The real one, I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, there's like two of them. The Joltle anyone man got me though the most because I mean, it's like a 13 year old boy. It's just something you never yeah. see, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and, and it's yeah, dealing and it's male, dealing male with nudity. Yeah, because like period. I've seen 15 year old girls naked before, but I've never seen a a, a young. Well, you I should have. probably add when you were 15. Because if yeah. you're looking at 15 year old girls when you're fucking 30, it's like Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, when I was 15, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot of 15 year old girls naked too when I was 15. <laughs> Come on. Ah, fuck, that's funny. Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but. Who, you or me? Me. Uh, Mike, what was your rating on that? Uh, nine. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said nine. That's right. Cool. We're going to go to hell for all these pedophile jokes. What did Jeremy give this one? Did we already say that? Seven and a half. Oh, we gave it higher. Mm-hmm. Then it's five. Yeah, because oh, yeah, the other one's a five. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's pretty much where I expected him to come in. Because he did say that he liked it, so I was like, oh, crazy. Because it was all artsy and shit. I don't know. But yeah. That is going to conclude episode, yeah, 164 here on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Mike, thank you for coming back onto the show. And yeah. I guess we will see you next week. <laughs> Not on the yep. next show, too. That's right. Yeah, so you're totally uh, on the next show, too. But you might as well just wait, start. Wait, am I? Feeling- what, the hell you, what the hell are you guys doing for the next one? It's the- He's on the next episode. I know I signed up for like one of the Italian month ones, but next, next episode's Halloween. The next show is the Halloween one. Oh yeah, Jeremy said he can't do next week, huh? Did he? Yeah, I thought so. Remember? That's oh. why you said you were going to look for a guest. Or That's something. right. Yeah. So yeah, no, Mike, I told you because remember we were discussing the. Poll? Why don't you guys just cancel it so you can watch Joe Bob? Because <laughs> that's next Friday, isn't it? Well, we got to record the Halloween show, or else we're just not going to record it then. Yeah. Um, but that was what the remember we were talking about the poll, and I was like, "Fuck, man, you voted for oh, yeah. Hell House," and I'm like, "You yeah, do realize right. that this poll is for voting for what we're going to be watching?" I don't even know what's in the lead anymore, but I, I think it's like, Hell House. I really, am, I guess, I guess we're doing Hell House since see, it's. Uh, I'm I'm kind of disappointed with that because I just watched all three like fucking two weeks ago, not even thinking that would ever be a thing. Ugh. Really <laughs> didn't want to have to do that again. And I'm not saying the movies are bad or anything. I just I just watched them. Yeah, fuck. Didn't you like marathon all three back yeah, to back to back? Well, because the third one came out, and I was like, well, I can't watch the the third one without watching the first one. And, and you really can't because it's one fucking movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's actually got really um, hard, concrete continuity, which is kind of which is kind of cool. I mean, it'll make for an interesting conversation. But so that's next Friday. Cool. Yeah. So, Mike, you yeah. on that one? Uh, okay. <laughs> are you are sure. you able to do it or not? Uh, I think so because if you're that's... not, that's that's fine. We can always. Oh, you got to watch Donnie Darko too. Oh, I... that was a fucking bonus film. Yeah, see, it's a problem with fucking Patreon picks. Is like we're asking way too much from our guests, man. It's like you want to <laughs> watch this and this. Like Mike's like, who the fuck did Spider Patreon? <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I know. No, I mean, I, te- I, technically they don't have to. I mean, they could they could chill for like. 
10 minutes while we talk about it. I should be able to because other than a fresh Who doesn't want to watch Donnie Darko? Come on. Yeah, we're doing a... Something for my show Sunday, and we're doing Fresh Cuts Monday because Venom has like a packed week. So other than that, I don't think I have anything to do next week until a week from this Sunday. So I should be pretty open. So, yeah, I mean, I'll keep you guys updated, but I should be able to watch everything. All righty. Cool. JP, you want to take us out of here? Yep. So... um we will be back next week with the Halloween extravaganza where we doing we're doing Hell House LLC one through three. This is like our first time doing a you know franchise esque Halloween show since Night of the Demons. So hopefully it doesn't turn into a shit show. Um, that show wasn't that bad. Apparently not. Everybody says they like it. No, that's why I'm saying that. I don't even remember it, but. I don't at this point. I remember that I didn't like it, but that's all I remember. I don't remember why. <laughs> um, I think it was probably behind the scenes stuff. Maybe Jeremy was annoying or something. That's I think usually on, what I, it was. I think it, it, some of it actually had to do with that, but I think also you were like dead fucking tired when we were recording and it just was not. Oh, like you know, tonight. Was, yeah. Did you hate this show? <laughs> no, I didn't hate this show. I like this show. I'm just, yeah, I'm like super tired though. Um, I do apologize. And also, you know, check us out on all the cool places, the new flick chat thing. Uh, we have Twitter, 22 shots podcast, Facebook group is always fun. Um, 22 shots podcast, uh, for that as well. And then, uh, check out Mike's no more room in hell. Got some stuff coming up. And then also, yeah. Um, non-exploitation is pretty cool i like it we're definitely doing a volume volume two in the future we probably should do the devils yeah 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 that's a good one so all right well that is going to conclude everything again mikey thanks for coming on uh if we see you next week we see you next week hopefully and sounds good yeah that is going to thanks for having me let's get the fuck out of here Deuces. <laughs> peace Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out!